Welcome everybody to podcast number 120 presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the Wiseman twins, Tim and Dexter, and uh, Mr. Bowler slash commentator, Daryl Bradley. <laughs> can just be, okay, how about this, Kerry? Next time, I'm just one of you guys. You don't have to give me okay. any sort of special introduction or commentator, nothing. Just say I'm, just, I'm one of the guys, man. I'm just a, it's just so just fun. a normal guy. Just like yeah, you. It's, just, it's kind of like so poking fun. a bear all the time. I'm just waiting to see till you, till I know, you settle well, I know. on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where is he going to go? Sounds like it? next week might be the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got a really good show for this week. Um, we got a, a show good guest that we, uh, we pulled in and stuff like that. But we got a little banter to hit up before we get to them. Um, the Manitoba opens this weekend. Yeah. So should we go over the whole how this playoff format is going to work? Does I don't I don't get I, I'm confused. Yeah, you're <laughs> I mean, also the qualifying. So so yeah, yeah the Winnipeg I'm not, tournament. I'm not the brightest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that they've been okay. posting all the entries, right? So you see who's playing, see the shifts. That's good to see. Hopefully, lots of people come. Um, but yeah, how does the final forty, so top forty, qualify? No. Uh, well, no. Okay, so uh, top, it it'll eventually work its way down to the top thirty-two, but initially the top twenty automatically make it into the top thirty-two, okay. and then the next twenty-eight play have a, a play-in round. Okay, now right. from if I'm reading this right, what happens is they split it into four groups of seven people. The 28, then, yeah, right, 21, 21 through 48 go into four groups of seven, right? And then I believe it runs like Heritage would, so I believe it's a round robin between them, okay, plus 50 point bonus for each win, yeah, 50 point bonus for each win, 25 yeah. for a tie, and then the top three from each group, um. Move on to the next round. Is that right? So this is the kind of a, a combination of every tournament out there. Let's just put it all together. And, and yeah. Do we want to watch? Do we want to watch the promo video? Maybe. Yeah, let's do that. That's yeah. a good. Yeah. Call. Here we go. Pump this, it up, Winnipeg. Screen. Here you go. Yeah. Is there is there is there a bomber singing? <laughs> wow! Look at this. Okay. Groups play a three-game round robin. Gotcha. Thirty-twos into four groups of eight. Seven-game round robin. Winner carries up to top three. Gotcha. And then the top 16s do a single bracket elimination. Gotcha. Um, so the thing I noticed there, fellas, was the 28, 21st through 48th, they mm -hmm. play a three-game round robin, but they're placed yes. into groups of seven. So you only actually no. play three games against yeah. No, it's seven groups seven of four. Seven groups of four, yeah. Oh, seven groups of four. Gotcha. So they are facing yeah. everybody in each group. Sure. Okay. So seven guys, top seven make it in, in your group, plus the next top five overall five. wild card picks. 
Yeah. The so if you go three, if you go three and zero, obviously you're in. Or well, you should. Get, yeah, I mean, you given have, the 50, you have to, yeah. fifty points. Right. Unless you have win with two two twenties, and the other guy goes two and one with a three eighty, right? Mixed it. Yeah. How how bad do you think Robbie Wilson's going to feel when he's twenty first? Robbie's not going. I know. You <laughs> would still get to play in the cut. He just has to make it once again. But do, you, uh, okay, do, do you get paid for that? Yes. They're, they're playing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the top so, twenty for qualifying based on based on their projections, uh, one hundred forty entries. Um, top twenty will automatically get qualifying money for four hundred, and then a play-in qualifier. Uh, so if you make it into the the play-in round and then you qualify, you make three hundred. And if you make it into the play-ins and you don't qualify, you make 150. And what's the entries based off of? Well, I said 140. 140. Sorry. Okay. Did Did you not hear the words that are coming out? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought that was a total. No, my only my only worry is that so you have 91 unique entries and 48 people that are qualified. How many will actually re-enter if they're right? The re-entry thing. That's that's my only like. Yeah. But like I said, it's a brand new format. We don't know until you get to play it, right? So I love so it. here. The what's Franken the question format. for the top twenty? What's the cut going to be for top twenty? Because that's your goal, right? Your goal is obviously to shoot top twenty. <laughs> is to be qualified in the Sunday, right? I want to yeah. say to auto to, to auto qualify. You want to be top twenty. Otherwise, you still have a chance, but you gotta. There's only what twelve people out of twenty eight that make it. I want to so, say 20, 21, 10. Yeah, it's so hard to say because we don't. I mean, I, I haven't played at at St. James. Um, I yeah. hear Pinfall's pretty good, but I, I haven't played. I, I, it's that's hard. That's really hard to have a prediction. But you know, ninety-one unique players as opposed to like one hundred and sixty unique players. But you know, for top twenty, yeah, I think I think twenty-one hundred is probably. You got to think somewhere around there, twenty one hundred to twenty one twenty. Well, isn't that what would sort of determine if you're going to play again? Is being top twenty? You want to auto qualify, don't you? I mean, unless you're sitting maybe fifteenth or sixteenth, you're probably okay. But I mean, if you're sitting, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would, I would play again if I'm sitting top twenty one, and I'm, I know on my first shift, I'm going to make the top forty eight. Of course, I'm going to make it, but yeah. I'm playing again to make sure that I'm in for top twenty. Right, and if yeah, you're four hundred dollars, your money back. It, it, it depends yeah. depends on cost benefit too. I think. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think you, if you're flying all the way out there and you know, like, top twenty, it's going to get three hundred dollars back. I think you two shift it, it uh, to make yeah. that top twenty guarantee. But well, if you're a lo- if you're a local and you know you're in the top forty eight, do you do you play again? I don't know. It, it depends. I, I would. I, I still, it's cheaper for you. You might as well play again. Yeah. Right? I, think, I think entries. Op- guarantee yourself the top twenty. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're less than fifty percent chance to qualify. You got to go three and zero, right? To to then make it in your group. Well, or right? shoot four hundred. Or shoot four hundred. But what's more <laughs> options? Right. Well, well, all right. Some of these so, people play now. Four hundred. Yeah. Let's hear from uh, let's hear from the guys that are going. Anybody in the comment section? Thanks, yeah. Tim Hooper, for the twenty one hundred, twenty one thirty. Is that well, the mentality from people playing? Is, uh, are you looking to sh- are you looking to make top twenty? So let, let's like be it. honest. I, I picked a number twenty one ten. Everybody else is giving ranges. Like pony up here and let's, let's have a right number here. All right. Are we are we going to do this? Prices right rules for a yeah. beer. Don't say twenty one oh nine. Don't say twenty one oh nine. Twenty-one ten. Don't say. Don't screw me. Well, yeah, no. You, you, you can't. Twenty-one eleven. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would I pick twenty-one of nine? 
He's never figuring out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I say, I say, I say two zero nine two. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> Jeff Watts, two zero eight three. I said two zero nine two. Twenty one hundred. On the knee, on the nose. Yeah, the I'll, nose. I'll do. I'll do the twenty one eleven. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Tough one, Tim. Tough yeah, break. that sounds good. <laughs> Top twenty. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's. If the I have goal to throw it. another shift to make sure. Yeah, I'll do it. That's right. Yeah, just to take your beer. You know, and I do have to say, you know, it's gonna be a well-run tournament. The the people out there in St. James, that uh, yeah. Devin, these are just top-notch people. So, uh, for those that are going out, your guys are gonna be well treated well, definitely out there. I think it's exciting that they get to bring a tournament that was right back, and sure, they're changing the the format up a bit to maybe rejuvenate it or whatever, but. It's exciting to see that there's enough um, professional five-pin bowling or competitive five-pin bowling going on that they feel confident enough that they can restart this tournament that has failed, right? It, it's failed in the past, and um, I'm excited to go play it. I never got to go play the Manitoba Open before. so Yeah, I didn't either. And, and we all know Winnipeg and Manitoba have a ton of players. Yeah, a it's, ton it's, of it was one of the funnest tournaments, guys. I've been there a number of times, and it was absolutely fun. So I, I, I same thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, t- absolute ton of players. Um, it it should be it should be fantastic. Um, support support the center. Uh, make sure you buy stuff from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a big undertaking to do this kind of stuff. So looks like they're putting out a breakfast menu. So that would be awesome. Yeah, I was but, just gonna uh, say the the breakfast and lunch menu came out yeah. today. So uh, we'll ha- we'll have that while we're there. What what is what is on there? Uh, I got some bagels and some muffins and some fruit cups. <laughs> breakfast sandwiches. There's and... oatmeal cookies. <laughs> they don't have chocolate covered almonds, Tim. Uh, that's, that's my that's my usual go to. Yeah. Do they have Do they have egg salad sandwiches? That's what TPC yeah. had, and they were delish. How many yeah. egg salad sandwiches did you have that weekend, people? <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Let's ask that. Let's chat a bit about you guys. Uh, five Pin U Dream Crushers had a match on the weekend at Five PL mm-hmm. Pro Team yeah. Week. Hey, gents. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. All, all we did was crush. I guess you can say um, for a five three. <laughs> Yeah, it was. You know, we, we keep we're shoot, good at the five three split. We're yeah, we keep shooting split. like thirteen hundreds, and it's like yeah, five three, five three, five three. But that's okay. You know what? We'll uh, we'll keep taking wins, and if you know, if we win every match at five three, we're still making playoffs. We, so we, we still got our fun. toughest. We still got our toughest match out there. PPG Bombers. It's it's quite the dream team. So we have to be very careful what we say. I love how you just want to keep dipping your little hands into every single pail and, and start chirping, turning it up, man. All you do is all day long. It's do you know what? Do you know what? It's because we're talking to Daryl the bowler now. Yeah. <laughs> Not Daryl the commentator. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, like Heartland Kingpins, they had they a huge awesome. night. Yeah, yeah, they played great. My, one of my kids is calling for the right you think they'll find it? Do you, you know? Yeah, I do. I think yeah. obviously with the Heartland Bowl, having Jen Baker come on and play changed their lineup completely. Um, yeah. Sean Schwartz played well again. You know, Gino played well. Uh, so that lineup is really solid now. Really, yeah. really solid. Jen, Jen, like you know, squeezed out a solid game for her her half point at a buck ninety eight. Yeah, you know what? That's the great. That's the Heartland's legit. Heartland Absolutely. is legit for sure. 
You know, I feel like there's Sean probably been some chirping out there great. and said, you know, take it, take us seriously. I'm sure Robert's probably saying like, hey, we're we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, foot planted firmly right there. Heartland, yeah. some good I'm, on you. It's really good. It's a super saying for that community. They really, honestly, they really embraced it, right? So, um, and then obviously Regina, I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of good games Regina is going to come out with. They just struggled at the beginning, but I, I think there's a bone of time where they're going to start catching a little bit of fire, right? Do so. you think uh, Regina had the issue because we found out after, or maybe some of you knew that they had a little get together that they had to get to, that their mind really wasn't on a one game match in the morning right they just showed up to play and then they were gone i don't know if their hearts were in it and if that that could hurt them in the long run right because they they've played three matches they're at nine points so and and johnny a little bit and and johnny mcdonald's injured right he's still not able to play so 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 that's one that's that's the same thing with paradise i mean uh no injury but Two two times in a row when they played their weeks, it was only had five people. They had nobody to sub in, right? That yeah. that doesn't help the situation out too, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Paradise, obviously, too. The no sub there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, uh, the unfortunate part about five pit is that you get onto a string of punches. Sometimes it's really hard to get off of it. And that that doesn't mean that you're playing bad. It's just sometimes you just can't get off the middle. And uh, that's that's the great thing about having the pull is that if you get into those runs, yeah, you can you can make that change. And if you don't have that pull, that uh, you're behind the eight ball for sure. So yeah, it's probably yeah, our so, job is it's it's probably our job as commentators to you know let them know what they did wrong probably too. I'm sure Kaplan wants to hear it. Like, what do you think hey, about well, the lineup? What do you think well, about well, the players? What do you think? I'm sure he's sitting well, there thinking, yeah, I can't yeah. wait for the guys to talk about that on Wednesday. Do you know what? Honestly, what we can talk about, and maybe people don't know, there was a little bit of an issue with a foul line. Um, we, found, <laughs> we found out Paradise Saints don't turn on their foul lines. And, you know, maybe it's that's a little bit anybody's fouling, Tim. Like, you know I'm what? Sure the, no, the best, exactly. Best the only time there's going to be a foul is if somebody goes flying Shut across up. the foul line. Best part was Kaplan, uh, Kaplan messaged me, and he's like, well, so where, where do we foul? I was like, you got to look at the video. So he starts looking at the video, trying to find the foul, and there was nothing. I- I think I think that I think the coach I think the coach there for that weekend for the Marvel might want to be looking uh, you know behind his shoulder. There's there's uh, some job improvement to me to be happening there. That's not. Yeah, yeah. He we said it during the show. We we said too. during the show, but I think they made some lineup changes or mistakes in that in that series for them. So, anyways, Curtis, you can text me, buddy, and we can talk about it when you hear about this. <laughs> what do you mean, man? What do you mean? Yeah. Um, so, if people want to know what we're talking about, it's the Five Pin Universe Team Pro League that is running all season long. You can go to fivepinuniverse.ca/slash pro team league or just go to the website and click on the five pin universe events and you can see all the league stats um some of the individual stats the team stats all that good stuff and uh follow along and watch all the shows that have been we're six shows in already the seventh show is not this weekend but next weekend it's going strong and a lot of teams are playing really good and there's some teams that need to pick up their uh their socks a little bit there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, we currently have four guys averaging 280 and then Kaylee. <laughs> I'm just here just so I don't get fined. Uh, so, I've only played uh, 14 frames though, so 
Yeah. That's okay. <clears throat> it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ca- carry the commentator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, carry the commentator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the in you press. Yeah, yeah. Just the organizer. Yeah. Guys, guys, just go to wcbtour.ca and look at the points and look who who's leading the pro the pro tour. Yeah. Just just look at that. Don't worry about my uh, team record. Uh, so all boys uh, about you. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Time to let's, pay some uh, bills, right, Carrie? Yeah, let's pay some bills. <laughs> <laughs> so you can become a patron of us at patreon.com slash five pin universe for as little as two dollars a month. And you can help support us to bring these weekly podcasts, these weekly special guests, and hear about all the all the history in five pin and the future of five pin as well. And then, once again, we want to thank All-Star Bowling Sales for being our weekly sponsor. We're going to run their quick commercial, and then we'll bring in the guest. Somebody wants the cleaning services. Sorry, boys. <laughs> Doors uh, and we windows. Will be, yeah. We will be running a draw, so you can, in the comments, hashtag all-star draw for a free draw at the end of this podcast. Um, all right. <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, without further ado, our special guest of the week. Uh, let's, uh, let's do our little transition here for him. Mr. Bill Douglas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Appreciate yeah. the invitation. <laughs> we Happy we appreciate it more that you're willing to talk with us. <laughs> <laughs> you may not want to after that opening bad too. No, no, that no. I was all good. <laughs> <laughs> so how are things? Good. Really good. Good. You know, enjoying retirement. So Awesome. What, what did what did you do before retirement? Well, I owned and operated a bowling center, but uh, I guess by trade, I was a civil engineering tech. Okay. I worked for the province for 10 years and then uh, worked for a couple of private companies uh, in Canmore. Um, yeah, did that. Hmm. Awesome. I feel like tonight we're, uh, we're just sort of going to work our way into a magical history lesson here of, of the bowling world, Bill. We were pre-talking before this, and I know uh, yeah. you've got a lot of names and stories and some good things to say, and um, some of our some, some of our famous names. I think there might even be a Bruce Mortar story coming at some point. So there's, There might there's, be. There's, there's yes. some teasers out there for the people watching and listening. There's, there's going to be some stories Bill's going to lead yeah. us into. <laughs> I'm sure you went into the database when Tim uh, confirmed you as a guest for us. Like, okay, what stories can I tell and what stories can I not tell? Yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few that uh, we'd have to save for a private conversation. But uh... <laughs> Perfect. That way we can harass them later, too. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Well, why don't we start, Bill, with uh, 
Do you have any thoughts on our earlier discussion that you were listening in on the Manitoba Open? I'm not sure if you were ever able to make it out there or anything like that. Um, No, I don't think so. Regina, Saskatoon went to uh, a few times when I was bowling and um, participated, but I was always kind of just donating my money. I was okay, but not good enough, you know? So, right. Um, but it, that was a really interesting format, not one I've seen before. That's for sure. Yeah, it'll be, a, a, it'll be a grind. Yeah. It'll be a lot of math. People will be calculating <laughs> throughout the oh, whole weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. What format true. are we in right now? What, what are we doing? But <laughs> seriously, cool. it, it, it does. You, you, in your head, you just seriously break that tournament up into like four different tournaments. Really? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And your focus has got to change because you're going to go from this big qualifying round and if you're not in the top 20 then you go on to the next one and all of a sudden you're now you're in a smaller group setting and you know how you deal with that it's like max play and then then you get to sunday if you're lucky enough and it's all max play so yeah quite a different format it'll be interesting to get into the 16s and only do single game match play right it's single game match play no it's single elimination but it's three game total oh single elimination right right but then you go back to the the traditional but it's a single bracket though it's not two sides it's not double bracket yeah Yeah. not like yours was that double bracket bowling three games yeah boy that's a long long day yeah you saw you saw sly and his like he was super exhausted i think it probably uh wore on him at the finals, right? I'm not saying yeah. Derek, Derek played well, but it just it was a lot of bowling for Sly. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, right. It's gonna be what was the number? Did he do 27 games or something? Sly did. Yeah, 27, 27 yeah. games. Yeah, and if you go and he, all the way right to the end and win both sides, are you playing 30? If you if you go all the way to yeah, if you win both sides, you play 30. Right. There was the one year I was facing Mar. Or I, I ended up going up both sides and then losing in the B final. And then having to play the final, so I played thirty-three games in that weekend. And you could play thirty-three. Oh, that yeah. Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you could play thirty-three if you lose the one. In one of the finals, yeah. Yeah. Semi-finals. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill, um, how'd you get? How'd you get into bowling? Let's. let's well, I, my my parents. One of the my very very first recollections was walking through a a burned out bowling center in Vancouver. My dad had. Well, 1957, he had a, I think it was 12, 24 lanes on two floors in Vancouver. It was called Mount Pleasant Bolodrome. So that was my first. And then uh, he was the general manager of the Vancouver Mounties AAA baseball club for a couple of years. Uh, And then we moved to Victoria and he managed a center called Gibson's Bolodrome, which was right downtown Victoria. And it was um, handset and okay. handset five pin and semi-automatic 10 pin. And then uh, went over to manage Mayfair lanes, which at the time was in Victoria, was 48 lanes. And it was kind of the original Brunswick big box center. They built one in Victoria, one in Edmonton. Uh, it was called Imperial Bowl. Okay. And one, I think, in Winnipeg. Anyway, they were all 48 lanes. They had billiard halls and big banquet wow. rooms. And, yeah, huge, huge square footage. 
Do you have um, photos of like back then, maybe as a youth or playing in any of this? It'd be so cool to look back into the archives to see some of this, this history. And I don't think I know. do. I, I mean, the, when he had the 48 lane 10 pin center in Victoria, that was the first year I ever bowled 10 pin. Um, and I, yeah. And then they changed. I think they took out 12 10 pin lanes and put in five pin. Um, then we when, moved when to Edmonton. You... When he you had a center called B and B Bowl. Sorry. When you say semi-automatic for um, ten pin, ten. what do you mean by that? Well, I, you had a pin boy, typical, and you had to get into the pit, pick the bowling ball up, and you put it on a ramp. But the right. pins you put into a standard sort of triangular shape, oh. but it was motorized. Oh, yeah. So once you got all ten pins in, you just pulled this string. And the motor set the the deck onto the ground and dropped the pins. Oh, okay. So that, that was kind sense. of the precursor to full automatic pin setters. So, oh, cool. yeah, it was uh, it was cool. tough. I did it for a little bit, but no. And you anyway, have to have somebody on every every lane, right? As no, the you no, you ran a pair of lanes. Okay. Yeah. I was talking as, with as Brian Randall the other day, and he was. He was saying how uh, during certain leagues he would he would run three lanes at a time, and he would make good money doing it. And it's like a, a couple of bucks a night, but like it was huge money yeah. back then, right? But like, yeah, you would run yeah. three lanes at a time and just run back and forth. That would be really tough. Two lanes was tough enough, you know. A ball and coming every get, few seconds, yeah. It got set yeah, up and, and move it all. Then you get some just... whack job throwing a bowling ball when you're still in the pit. That happened <laughs> lots. Yeah, pin boys would be throwing the ball back down the middle of the lane at guys. When they yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, then after Victoria, we came to Edmonton. That was nineteen sixty-five, maybe. Uh, can't remember. Anyway, B and B Bowl, which was hundred and first Street and hundred and second Avenue, was twenty-two or twenty-four lanes in the basement, and it nice. was. Um, double diamond um, pin setters. Mm -hmm. They were oof, what a terrible machine to work on. But that was you had double diamond in Brunswick. Those were the first two automatic pin setters that came on the market. So yeah, my my um, uh, mom used to work at B and B, and she she got her hand caught in one of those machines one time, and it, apparently it was just awful. Oh it yeah, really it's terrible. yeah, it's terrible. Terrible. Be, and then be, uh, my dad bought the old Linwood Bowl, which was 12 lanes. Um, it was on 149th Street and 87th Avenue. So then we went to 1980. We built the second Linwood, which was 24 lanes of five pin and 12 lanes of 10. A, a lot of us from Edmonton definitely remember Linwood. That was that was my generation, you know, early on. I think you said it closed down in 94 so yeah definitely played there in the 80s you know some tournaments and stuff it wasn't my home center but definitely remember linwood fond memories of that place for sure yeah. yeah we hosted a bunch of masters tournaments and ybc nationals so yeah it was uh it was a good center it was a lot of fun tim you were saying earlier about a booklet you received um from don about old centers what, what was that one about um it was it's called looking back um, I forget the lady's name. Uh, I know Bill Gail's, brought it up. Gail yeah. Scorepad. Yes. And uh, I guess, and I didn't know 
uh, Bill helped her out. And this, this is an absolutely incredible find for me, at least if you're a kind of a history, not when it comes to sports and whatnot, but uh, um, had everything from 1982 to the beginning of the Edmonton five pin association, which was like 19, like I like to say 1949, 1948. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible amount of stuff. And if you look back at it, I think Edmonton probably had about 30, 35 centers throughout the, the history of it all. Uh, if, if, wow. if not more. Yeah. Yeah. crazy crazy amount yeah there's been a lot of centers come and go over the years it's uh it's unfortunate we're down to a few now but that'd be cool to get that booklet out i'd like to see that one day tim and just sort of you know and drop a pin on a map of saying where all the centers used to be at one point in time and like how many lanes and yeah you know do some more do some more deeper dive and like a documentary or something on those those centers because it's just so cool like absolutely i, I think right? yeah absolutely i think um what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build the E5 website to have a more of a history part to it and yeah. I have all these things I can digitize and put up and that could be one of them. But yeah. the, definitely the map thing is kind of cool. Like when we're talking about it, um, I mean, Arctic Bowl turned into Klondike Bowl or vice versa. And then there was, right. it was 32 lanes to 12 lanes, 24. And then when dropped down to 12 lanes, yeah. um, I think Odeon was in there, right? There's a bunch of those ones. Well, right? Odeon was Roslyn, which Odeon was uh, Roslyn. 97th yeah. okay. Street. Yeah, yeah. Roslyn. Free fall, yeah. of course. Remember yeah. that? It yeah. was. Yeah. There's um, a bunch of there's one, Kingsway was there's one in Kingsway. Yeah, Kingsway uh, was down in the basement. That was twenty four lanes of five and I think twelve <laughs> lanes of ten pin. Yeah, and that was me, I'll tell you like, a funny Kingsway. story about that ten pin center. <laughs> that that was in Kingsway Mall though? Yeah, it was in the basement of the Kingsway Hotel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. At, at one point, um, Edmonton had 48 lanes in um, 48 lanes at Bonnie Dune. You had Windsor Bowl, which is down the street. You had uh, Garneau was there. Uh, you had like Scona, Scona was there. Sure, Bowl was just down the street. So yeah. you had you had over 100 and 120 lanes at least. But basically, yeah, and they were the you know back in those days they were all busy. I mean, the major men's league bowled one of them bowled at Windsor. Yeah, uh, and in those days it was 24 lanes. Actually, it was 12 lanes on two different floors because yeah, they had yeah. the main floor and then they had the basement. Um, it, there was a really good men's league at Scona. Um, it's crazy to me that Scona has shut down. Like, I mean, I think about it now. Like now, now it's now it's a it's a pub, and that, and that pub is like super busy. But mm-hmm. like you know, I can imagine that having a a, a bowling alley on White Ave. You know, have that place open until two, three in the morning. Nowadays, put in synthetic lanes. That place would be a gong show on the weekends, and I'm it would sure be. it would just roll. Yeah, it would be, yeah. It yeah. would be tough for league play because parking was always an issue. Same for as sure. Windsor, you know, where it was. Yeah. That parking was always a problem around there. Uh, 109th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had the like the Wednesday night league was at Scona for a few years. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. Where, that's where I started playing there. We've talked about that in the off the off set uh, ball returns, but that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're right. I remember guys saying the Windsor was always the original major match play in Edmonton. Yes, the, it was. the biggest stories, the Lloyd Coxes and the, the early names there, Brian Goodhopes and the Lins and those guys played Stan there. Stan Hesp and yeah. Claire Lakeman and all those guys played there. Ian Fraser and Peter Marison. I yeah. think that's where Gino kind of got his his feet wet when he first started playing too. Was at the Windsor Major League. 
Yeah, you know, I don't remember Gino back in kind of in those days um, so much. Um, probably met him later on, but Brian Goodhope, I think, got his start in there. Yeah, Although yeah. Brian, Brian got his start. We were talking about B&B Bowl. So yeah. uh, back in the day, they used to run a so Saturday or Sunday, Saturday afternoons, and it was a traveling league. And there was about, I don't know, six to ten teams. So every bowling center put in a team. And it was five senior men and two juniors. And you bowled four senior men and one junior. And you could sub in and out. Anyway, Brian Goodhope and I were the two juniors on the B&B Bowl team. So that was my first kind of meeting with him would have been, I don't know, like 1966, 67, nice. <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah. But it was great for, for a junior to get involved and, and see how good the senior men in this city were back in those days. Uh-huh. Sort of like our pro challenge. I mean, not as often playing on a week yeah. week to week basis but that's sort of why we do the the pro team challenge right or the pro what is it called the pro challenge with the it is five yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Where we, we bring some kids in and then we pair them up with pros or whatnot to get them customized mm-hmm. and, and learn how to play yeah yeah, yeah. it was great yeah yeah i know brian could hope was one of the best and uh i, I th- yeah he was from bnb i do believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he worked there for a while, but that, you know, that's where he got his start. And he was a maniac for practice. He'd come in when he could get away from work, but I seemed like it was be two or three times a week and would just throw balls and kind of work on his game and talk about stuff. So he's smart guy and smart about bowling. Yeah. Nice. So, when when you own Lin, Linwood, do you have any uh, characters that you remember from there, or any good stories? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there there's quite a few. A ten pinner. Uh, well, this goes back even further. When my dad had B and B bowl, this guy showed up one day uh, with ten pin balls, and he'd been staying at the King Eddie Hotel, which was just around the corner. And he got in a cab and asked the cab driver to take him to a bowling center. The cab driver didn't know any difference. So he did a like a almost a U-turn because King Eddie and B&B backed onto one another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so Stan had to haul his, the Stan Onstead by name, he had to haul his bowling balls downstairs into B&B. And my dad said to him, you know, son, you're in the wrong place. Those balls, you could throw them once, but they'd never come back again. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Did, did he stick around and play? No, he didn't bowl five pin. So uh, that was one of the best tournaments we ever ran. We used to run a five and dime, we called it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so we bowled, uh, I think it was four games of five pin and six Six games of 10 pin. Does that make the scores even? Yeah, four pretty, games. Yeah, that makes sense. Four games would be 1,800, right? If you were perfect, would be, yeah. yeah, four and six. And Brian would always play, and Gino would always come out and play. <laughs> and five pinners always won it. Almost huh. always. Right? Because five pins a game of accuracy, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and talk about hitting boards. Well, five pinners, 
split dimes is more the language I would use. And so their, their accuracy, they just throw the ball fairly hard down the middle, pick up their spares yeah. on 10 pin. And then yeah. Yeah. the 10 pinners, you know, trying to throw big hooks, well, they'd be throwing the ball between the three pin and the five pin. Uh-huh. And they just not, not a, not really a chance of winning it. So, but it was always a fun tournament. So. Hmm. Sounds like a a competition (laughs) brewing here somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure Bill's got some connections for us too, so that works. We've got we've got the wheels turning here, don't we? Yeah. How do we drop in tournament, boys, or what? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You could uh, you could set Sherwood Park. Can't you uh, can't you put different uh, bodies on and run ten pin strings? No, they're not convertibles. Oh. Oh, yeah, no. we'd have to rip out the whole machine and put it in a different machine. We, we, oh, we, that we, wouldn't work so well. <laughs> well, we, we, Albert. We, yeah, we can do St. Albert. 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 Yeah. yeah, we we can go see maybe uh, Adam Weber can be your pin boy and he can set up some pins maybe. Oh, we, we could do it at Fort too. <laughs> yeah, Fort, you know, six Fort. six yeah. lanes, six lanes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're convertibles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are. Yeah, yeah, that'd be mm. fun. Interesting. We're all like, how do we make this turn? How do we make this work? Yeah, it can't be an Edmonton five pin one because it's Edmonton five pin. (laughs) It's got, it's got, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Run a private tournament. First first tournament. Yeah. (laughs) First live tournament instead of virtual. That's right. Hmm. So, did you bowl YBC as well, uh, Bill? And obviously, mostly did you start playing five pin when you were when you were first young yeah that's that's all i bowled until until linwood opened in 1980 so i was always a five pinner gotcha i got my masters i think 1970 was yeah when i got my masters 19 no 1980 i guess 1980 i got my masters and coached um did all that but yeah five pin was really the game i grew up on um, but my sister was the much better player. She won two national championships, YBC. Wow. She uh, was the first person to have a chance at a triple crown. She won Bantams in 66, oh. juniors in 68, and then finished second in 1970 in Winnipeg. And back in those days, YBC was a Peterson point format. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you get wins plus you get bonuses for your pinfall, right? Well, she ended up they the her and whoever won it were tied. And I think there was two or three pins difference. Otherwise, Marilyn would have had a triple crown. So yeah, she was a much better bowler than than me. <laughs> but wait, and we did. My dad used to always say, Well, you're you want to go and play against the best bowlers. So we would always put us into the city team trials uh, much to the chagrin and disgust of some of the older generation of five pinners because they didn't want kids in that tournament right it was just kind of unheard of well no you don't bowl in it till you're an adult but which was the what was the edmonton team trials or where did you advance to that's something not oh, you made the, you made the edmonton team to go to the c5 championship gotcha right? so that's yeah. what it was you played as a team though no, no, it was singles. Oh, oh gotcha. It was all yeah. singles. But there was no age requirement then. You were still able to play at any time. Yeah. They didn't really have it on the books that way. They didn't like it, but they let us bowl. They wanted our money. And, and <laughs> one year we were bowling at uh, Metal Arc. 
which was a 24 lane center in Meadowlark Mall out in the West End. And it was a really, really nice center, double diamond free fall, but it had a reputation as the absolutely the toughest pinfall anywhere. And we were second day, uh, and I think they bowled, we bowled two 10 game blocks um, Saturday and Sunday. So this was the Sunday. And I, guy, and I, pretty sure it was a guy by the name of Donnie Winkle and he was a really good player made the Edmonton teams a number of years threw the ball real slow and it was a pretty big hook that he threw uh we're in the last game and it was probably the last frame and he left a set of aces and go back and I don't really remember exactly but it was like his 15th or 16th set of aces in a 10 game block wow and so he stopped, took off his left shoe, threw it at the left corner pin, took off <laughs> his right shoe and threw it at the right corner pin and walked out. And I don't think he ever bowled again. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine, yeah. guys? Yeah. Could you guys imagine Yeah. <laughs> throwing 15 sets of aces in 10 games? Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I might have exaggerated, but it was really, yeah. really tough pin. Oh, don't go there. back on that now. It's okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Maybe it was 30. I don't no know. No one yeah. will be able to yeah. fact check you. You're fine. Well, what's the number? Like, what's, what's the magic number for you guys to pick uh, take off your shoes and chuck them and say, I'm done? Six, uh, three, seven, eight? Three, three. I don't know. The way, the way your generation throws the ball, I wouldn't expect to see that many aces. You should yeah. see Kerry react yeah. to one set of aces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh the the one year qualifying for open i think i had 10 or 11 over two days wow that's a lot crazy a lot a lot of flying aces that's yeah. the worst one. oh they were flying aces they weren't just bricks no i no, yeah i think three pins jump over right yeah can't do anything right. about it i think Not that happened going. more with free fall uh than for it sure. does on string machines because you get the yeah. occasional string break right totally yeah. not back yeah. then no no if you're in a center that the pins flew you're you're in rough if you were throwing rockets for sure that's what absolutely uh, everybody tells me because unfortunately i didn't get to play on a lot of free fall just uh a couple of games at rossmere in winnipeg but everybody tells me oh you wouldn't have fared very well at, on free fall because all the no string pulls no string pulls i don't know i averaged 290 in two games at ross Beard. that's all the that's all uh, the g- g- game the and depth a half. i can do so yeah the other half was handset because we had lost power yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you, you need in free fall you need to throw thick right thick with jump that's that's what usually scored pretty well well yes and no. i mean the the game back on free fall, I think, was was more for finesse. Uh, most of the players from back in that area threw the ball a lot slower than you guys. Man, I watched a couple of the shifts of your tournament, and I got tired just watching how hard the guys throw the ball. Yeah, and and yet throw it with a great deal of accuracy. All that amazing the talent that's out there now. Yeah, is that right? Something, uh, Bill, that you clearly noticed that guys didn't throw it as hard back then. Uh, no. any of these big throwers. I mean, I think of Brian Goodhope. I mean, he took a good little rip at it, but not that hard. Little, little, little hook on it. But I mean, yeah. overall, no, I, there wasn't really any hard, hard throwers back then. No, so. it, you know, it, when I think about it, Claire Lakeman threw the ball pretty hard, but not 
in comparison to you guys. Um, Bob Leanders, Ian Fraser, maybe, but not, you know, that most of the players were more like the Stan Hesps and um, Gino. I mean, he doesn't throw the ball hard. Um, Marty no. Bush. Marty Bush that was era. slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy I miss. Yeah, Marty was a good slow roller, wasn't it? Coming from the oh, side yeah. a bit, and he would uh, just be so excited, man. Yeah. And you know what? And and ne nothing ever phased him either. There was the one game at Body Dune where he literally had eleven or eleven corners, spared every single one of them, had eleven corners in that game. Yeah. Had, you know, never never gets mad. Nothing. He was just he was just an absolutely awesome. No. Man. No. A lot of lot of good players from that era, and you know what? I think about it now, they were all really good athletes. Like they played other sports and were really good at it. <laughs> we used to have a five pin uh, fastball team back in the day. Oh. Uh. Um, Stan Hesp was on it. Leela Tondre. Oh yeah. Brian Goodo. Brian played short and caught and I caught and played a little bit of third base. Um, Ian Fraser was our pitcher. One of <laughs> Who else was on it? I feel like Ian Fraser would be like a pretty dirty pitcher. He would he would have all <laughs> kinds of junk on the ball. Oh. I feel like he would probably put it in his hand in his glove too and probably spit on the ball or spider tag or, or something. Like Ian would be trying every, he'd be trying everything possible to it doesn't matter. No, wow, what do you mean? What do you mean? Right? Like, you know what? Ian was Ian was a great player. He a really good pitcher and just a good ball player. He played in the outfield besides, but uh yeah. we were playing. We were playing out in Andrew one year in a ball tournament, and it was probably an all-native team. So we come up, and I'm catching Ian. And you know what kind of rotation he put on a five-pin ball? Well, yeah. he put even more than that on a base, on a softball. Yeah, that's what I'm figuring. So we're playing, and this really, really big native guy gets up into the box, and he's way at the back of the box. Okay, Ian, we're going to throw a riser. So – he throws him a riser. The guy whiffs at it. Moves up a couple of paces. Now he's about even with the plate. Another riser. Ian rips it a little harder. The guy whiffs it completely. Now he's right up at the front of the batter's box. So, okay, Ian will throw a drop. No. Okay, we'll throw a curve. No, knuckleball. No. Going to throw him another riser. So Ian rips on this ball and riser, and the guy foul tips it, catches me right between the eyes. Well, that's fine. I stagger it off and I catch one. And one ball I throw over Brian's head at shortstop. And the next one I catch behind the plate and I throw it over Lee's head at second base. And anyway, they, they pulled me out. I had a concussion and a cracked skull. So thanks very much, Ian Fraser. Thanks for not listening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Call, you got, just kept brushing you off, eh? Brushing yeah. you off. Yeah. 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 But we had, I mean, it was great fun. Back and like I say, you know, all those five pin bowlers and they were all really good athletes. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I love when the bowlers can get together outside the bowling, play a play a different game and have some yeah, fun and compete together. Sure. Right? You yeah. guys have there's lots of ball teams and sports teams out there that people do that too on the side. Yeah, yeah. But curling, curling's I think a big one. Some guys do that too. You know, and I they're all good golfers. Curling anymore. I did, I did curling a couple of times and I broke my tailbone and I'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the guys I, tried lawn bowling a bit for a couple of times too, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I was lawn bowling with Bruce and Lynn and uh, Grady Long. And yeah, yeah. Well, Grady joined in after. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we were bo- lawn bowling with George Shillabier and. Oh, geez, um, there's another name from the past, George. <laughs> oh, he, he was an he awesome. a beauty. <laughs> he was great. He he. There's the guy that would tell you exactly how he feels 100 percent of the time. There yes. was no sugarcoating <laughs> anything with that guy. No. Sure. And the biggest hands you will ever see. They were True. monsters. Uh, yeah, it was it was super fun playing lawn bowling with those guys. It was good. Yeah, yeah, you translates uh, a little well, but yeah, Grady Long. Now, obviously, you guys you were mentioned earlier. You guys bowled together early on, and obviously, Grady's the executive director of Bowl Alberta. Yeah, yeah, you guys have known each other a long time too. Oh yeah, we go back to well, fifty plus fifty five years probably. Uh, his dad managed the original. Um, Sherwood Park Bowl when Frank Smith owned it uh, in his big stable of centers and my dad had Linwood and they were both on the board of the bowling proprietors and Grady and I bowled juniors and YBC program against each other for years and and our families were friends so Grady and I have been friends for that long so Mm That's and you were saying that he was uh, a pretty fine athlete himself in his days. You know, this is our this is our one minute good job, Grady. Here, <laughs> yeah, Grady was a good ball player, and he'll never let me forget. We invited him out to a after I quit playing fastball and played slow pitch. Grady, when we were short, so I invited Grady out to a slow pitch tournament we had, and he'll never let me live it down. But I struck out in slow pitch, and to this day he reminds me of it. So. <laughs> but yeah, good athlete, good ball player. He played for uh, uh, Edmonton Tigers when they had kind of a semi-pro uh, baseball team. So yeah, yeah. Nice. good bowler, good golfer. I've golfed with uh, him. I wouldn't say that. Well, he doesn't play much anymore. But no, yeah. <laughs> just just to make you feel a little bit better, uh, Tim strikes out minimum five times a year. Oh, good. Thanks. Jim, I don't feel, so, it, no, I don't I, feel I, so bad. I owe a case of beer, and even the other team chants it too. So it's really. Bad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We, we're heckling them when there's two when there's two strikes. We're up there yelling like you know, you know, cheering on the pitcher, hoping he strikes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. beer is far more important. Now we've got some uh, a couple of fun hit, hits to note on here. Um, 1980 Masters National Coach. Um, what was that one all about? So that's, that's Masters, Tournament Masters. That was Tournament Masters. I coached the Alberta ladies team. So there was Diane Violini, uh, Val LaBelle, my sister Marilyn, um, Marlene Gill, and Aaron O'Brien. Uh, Aaron Graham, I guess. Aaron Graham. Uh, yeah. Aaron Graham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We were out in Vancouver, and um, Doug Hall coached the men's team. Oh, I can't even remember. Don. So what, Diane would have been in her first handful of years? Because isn't Diane at 30 in a row or 35 in a row or something, something like that? Something like so. that. Yeah, it would have been early on in her, in her career. Yeah. 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 Ladies team, we finished fourth. The men's team actually won it that year. Uh, Lynn Howell was, uh, I think, the um, uh, singles rep from Alberta. And uh, Darian McConaughey was the ladies oh, yeah. rep. So I think Lynn was second or third and same with Darian second or third. So, I mean, it's always cool to get chosen and then get to go to a nationals, any nationals that it is. So 
absolutely um, you know, being one of the experiences that would have been awesome for you to to the coach that now did you not do a lot of other coaching times or that was just sort of the one and done and you obviously then got into the proprietor side of things so it didn't have a lot of time no i did uh coached a fair bit that same year 1980 i went to um uh, c5 nationals in uh where were we regina i think or saskatoon i can't remember now but yeah coach then um coach Alberta Winter Games in 83, or Canada Winter Games in 1983. Um, that the was probably games, the most fun. You know what? We've heard that over and over about how great the Winter Games was, and everyone just absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was such wish a, I was still around. Yeah, it was such a big production. Um, Fran Clark and I got picked by the Bowling Federation and the bowling proprietors uh, in advance of the roll-offs. And they were in Red Deer. I don't remember how many games it was now, but so we got to be there in advance and watch all the players as they qualified. But um, I mean, the provincial government was so good. We got absolutely phenomenal uniforms, jackets, sun ice jackets, and uh, we had to take sleeping bags with us. Uh, and then the Bowling Federation, Don Sim, they had did really well and had money. So uh, all the players got shirts, obviously. Uh, but not only that, we got um, the very first replaceable sole bowling shoe. It was called uh-huh. Pro Balance Slide. They were out of uh, Salt Lake City. And I don't know, do you know what Lind? Have you ever seen Lind bowling yeah. shoes? Yeah, yeah. Lind's, yeah. They, they were at one time probably the best bowling shoe on the market. Uh, well, honestly, these guys in, in Salt Lake took them and they cut out circles in the sole and so you could replace the the soles for you know slide so uh, everybody like, on the team men's and ladies teams all got those um, i feel like lens bought that patent because they they did that forever where they had like just the the uh the circles yeah. on the bottom and you can yeah. change them however you wanted um yeah. and they were they, they were fantastic shoes and and durable forever and then there was a period of time where you could get them customized in whatever colors and whatever you wanted to but yes. i believe that they've been bought by hammer now so now they're part of the under the hammer hammer umbrella i believe oh okay shoes. yeah yeah but yeah lind was a great bowling shoe mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah i remember but casey yeah. losing one at bonnie dune he Took a big wood sliver through the bottom of his Lynn shoe. Yeah. Casey Campbell did? Really? Yeah. 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 Winter Games was fun. I mean, I, 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 you know, I look back and not only the guys that were on our men's team and the ladies team, but some of the players from other provinces who were there as, as youngsters. And, and now you, you know, I saw them after that on CBC and TSN. And I mean, there were, some of the best players in in the country and they i don't know if they got their start at winter games but they were certainly there um like connie dreyer and claudina lista christina allard kippy smith michael bates steve greensides mm-hmm. all P- lots Pizzi, and lots jorgensen yeah jorgensen blair pizzy yeah we've talked to a few um, people yeah yeah so I guess yeah, we, we never knew until we talked about it uh, when you came to the TPC. I didn't know 
the how the selection process was with uh, Alberta at least, right? So right. It, it was a roll off, and then they disqualified them by there. But there was an age category, age limit, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah I think you had to be under twenty five. <clears throat> so it was meant to the younger crowd for sure. Yeah, and then we <laughs> we were in schools in this kind of a dormitory setting, which was quite bizarre. That's why they gave us the sleeping bags because we had like army cots. And so the first thing that the five pin guys did when we got in there, they had these screens, sort of privacy screens. Well, the guys took all the privacy screens and moved them all around, got us in the corner of a room. And <laughs> it was like we had our own little room, just the six of us for. Anyway, everybody was mad at us for that because we moved all these screens around. But it was, it was good for privacy and the, the guys, we had a really good time. I, I, heard, I heard the guys had a good time. I know Bruce mentioned that many a times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a good team. I mean, again, some, you know, Bruce Mortar, Greg Gigliak, uh, Mike Massey, uh, Randy Clark, Jim Tanaway, some, some really, really good bowlers from, from there. Uh, is, uh, is five pin bowling or somebody canvassing Canada winter games now to be a sport in there? Or how does that process work to apply to be part of that sport or what jurisdiction does that fall under? Even like right now, I mean, talking in general here, guys, where does that fall to, I would guess it's probably under the Bowling Federation of Canada. They're the ones that have the ear of the government and are, are the only funding source for the bowling games, both five pin and 10 pin. Mm -hmm. um, and the proprietors aren't involved in that BFC anymore. So all the money stays in five pin and 10 pin. The biggest challenge that I saw over the years, and we tried to push them to get it into other winter games is they typically go to spots where there's no bowling centers. Yeah, I'm just looking I, it up. Right, now, it says 2023 is in um, PEI, which has centers. It's they're just limited. That's right. Well, and but it, I mean, it was no different in uh, in Chicoutimi Jonquier. They only had one bowling center. They actually built uh, six six lanes or 12, 12 lanes in a gymnasium. So Mendez came in and built them just right over top of the gym floor. <laughs> and the guys, well, you know what Bruce Mortar's like, well, running out strikes on, on the end pairs, he had yeah. to be really careful because it was like a foot and a half off the ground. Well, <laughs> you didn't want to go over the edge and land on this gym floor. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's but it, it's, it's sad. Like, I, I feel like this is something we definitely need to address considering, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously bowling as a whole isn't, isn't in there at all, but I mean, no. you know, five pin is a Canadian, a, a strictly yeah. Canadian game and, and they're having Canada winter games and they're, they're not going to put five pin bowling in it. That, that blows, that blows crazy. my mind. Darryl, even Alberta winter games, Canada winter games, like what Western yeah. Canada games, there's all the, there's a few different ones, right? But, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I, I know in Alberta, we've tried to get back into the winter games, but then they had a place like uh, they went to Fort McMurray and Fort McMurray didn't have it. And then it's just been, it's been tough that way. Yes. Um, here, Tim Hooper did mention this. Maybe it shows up. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I respect that, but I've just there's got to be, who yeah. do we email? Who do we email Sport Canada? Find some email addresses and let's dive in to find out and get an actual written letter back 
no, Fifen, you are not allowed in. Okay, I got a guy I can I'm gonna pepper this shit out of this guy totally. now for the next two so, years. Like, so you think you think in Ireland if they have an Ireland winter game or Ireland <laughs> games that they're they're not gonna be just because it's not in the Olympics, they're not gonna put in hurling? Like, yeah. of course they are. Or yeah. we, run a, we run a, our own winter games simultaneous at the same time as the Canada winter <laughs> games and promote the shit out of it within our own sport that maybe it goes viral across the nation of being like, hey. Uh, that'd be, you know what, that'd be something to take back through the Alberta Five to the Canadian Five mm-hmm. to push it. Do you What's think if we, if we showed up wearing track suits and stuff and just walk <laughs> walk into the closing ceremonies, <laughs> think they would know yeah. any different? Just oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> go, yeah go they on. might they might notice they might notice. <laughs> Bowlers are uh, very noticeable wherever they go. So yeah. I think that was the first that Canada Winter Games was the first year that we ever had cowboy hats. And right. I know when we walked in on the opening ceremonies, everybody looked at us like, "What's going on here?" Including the rest of the Alberta team, because it was just the bowlers who had cowboy hats. Oh, so, weird! Yeah, of course, course it makes us look weird. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a way to get noticed for sure. Just, yeah. just roll in with tracksuits and cowboy hats. Chelsea, yeah, there you uh, go. Chelsea brings up a good point. BC Winter Senior Winter Games. Yes. So Daryl, there is tryouts in January if you want to join. Uh, Alberta has plus fifty-five. It's called fifty-five. Yeah. Yeah, but you yeah. have a few. It's 55. There's a 65 category. There's 75 and 85. So yeah. there's plenty of time for you, bud. Yeah. Hey, I, rock- I don't know if bowling is in the club 55 for Alberta anymore, is it? It, it is, is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's trials. It is still. Yeah. Um, the the crazy thing is six. We, uh, we ran it, the, the Nationals, uh, at some point, I think it was about five or six or seven years ago. And uh, it was crazy that we talked to the organizers and they were expecting deaths. From the old people like they said yeah we were expecting one or two and wow. the 100 year old lady playing javelin passed away while she was playing and right. uh so i mean it, it what a way it, to go though okay next what uh <laughs> when is She's the next she alberta winter games is uh do you have that dex or alberta when what were you looking up there when's the oh. next alberta winter games or oh no i was looking up the um Canada games. I have it. Um, Prince Edward Island. Uh, Alberta 55 plus Winter Games, Edmonton, April 7th. Not the 55 20th. plus ones, the regular the ones. Alberta Winter Games is held in the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo. Uh, it looks like the 2022 Winter Games will be cancelled. Yeah. They have been we're supposed to be held. We're supposed yeah. to be held in Wood Buffalo. Which is Fort McMurray. Which, yeah, yeah which you could have. I mean, there's a new bowling center in McMurray, so you, you know, conceivable yeah. you could have been part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you maybe that, that for the first year tougher. do it elsewhere, elsewhere promoting it, and then saying we want in and look at the attention that we garnered this year while you were running your entire event. We did this, yeah, right in Edmonton or wherever else. So maybe rather than we're not going to get hotels and going to get space, and not going you're not going to go into their home space. But the same weekend as to run something would be would be potential. Anyways, big picture thinking here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else as far as the oh so then chairperson of a nationals uh, we see too so you saw, One, started yeah, sitting then was... on the board of directors and start doing some of that you know outside of the work uh, bill as well getting involved yeah I I did I, I mean I was on the Alberta five pin board for a while and and I actually ran the YBC nationals in Calgary in 1980 I was chair of that 
Um, then when I got more involved in the proprietors, I was on the board of directors as vice president and president, um, national 10 pin chairman. Um, so I stayed heavily involved and, uh, you know, still kind of in the masters and, uh, did a little bit of coaching. And is that, I mean, that. No, it's not for everybody doing the volunteer outside your normal, um, yeah. You know, why, what drew you to want to be involved with all those boards and all those th types of things that you're in? Why, why would you want to do that? Probably a little bit to give back. I mean, my, I think that comes from my dad because he was always involved and always on the board of directors, bowling proprietors and, um, you know, baseball stuff that I played in. He was always involved. And so it probably came by that fairly honestly and i just i enjoyed doing it, it was uh, it was a way to give back i think well, bowling pretty good to me over the years so yeah, and fair to say also it's a a way to understand the actual operations of the sport and the governors and you know it's the reason part of i do it so that i oh, yeah. have an inquisitive mind that i i need to i need to understand it yeah. so before i can make comment on it right that was part of it i mean that goes back to all the way back to Don Sim and I, and uh, I think it was Bob Guthrie trying to put oh, together wow. a combined uh, bowling proprietors A5 membership when that was all happening and you know, trying to prove to everybody that we could run one organization, that it didn't have to be separate entities because there was some uh, animosity, that's not the right word, but there was some infighting over who got to sell the cards and you know we had to have a card to bowl in certain things and in some centers that was a tough sell so we were trying to put it all together so that it was automatic if you bowled at edmonton bowling center or roslyn you were automatically a member of the a5 and the c5 and we would figure out how we were gonna pay for it but it was all directed really at trying to get the government to notice how many people were bowling because we could tell them we had 80,000 bowlers in Edmonton and they'd say, prove it. Where's your membership list? This oh, is something well, that I've never heard before. This, ar yeah. this argument, this, <laughs> yeah, this, this is odd. 40, 40 years later, we're you're, talking, you're talking about something that's uh, strange. It's what do you mean? We should all be now. under so nothing's changed. I take it. Yeah. Not yeah. on that aspect. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's exactly the things you're saying. You know, everybody who bowls, you're all part of a membership. You all, you know, the numbers go through. There's, yeah, it should be automatic. But. Yeah. For the most part, that happens in 10 pins. If you it run does. a sanctioned bowling center, all the bowlers have to be sanctioned. Yep. Now, it was that was a tough sell for 10 pinners as well, especially when the 10 pin game was basically administered out of the U S so, you know, why am I sending my money into the United States? So right. yeah. when, I, when the Canadian 10 came along, they got rid of a few of those objections and at least the money was staying in Canada, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It just, it baffles me that people are so against it. Cause like when you play even a, a slow pitch league or you play, pretty much any other sport you sign a roster you sign up for your membership you like you're part of the club right yep i just i Why wonder if it has something so to, i think i wonder if it has something to do with paying your weekly lineage you know you do it 
you do it with baseball and stuff and you pay everything up front you play soccer you pay everything up front and it's all included in your membership but i, I wonder if it has something to do with you know playing your weekly lineage and then paying a membership on top of it it's always like plus 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 right yeah, like you could, like what you guys do, Tim at Short Bull. Why don't yeah. they just roll it into the lineage and spread it across <laughs> the whole year? Yeah, exactly. Nobody has to know about that. The, the only <laughs> but like, that's, that's true, though. Idea, yeah. right? The, the only the only downside of that is when your A five E five president doesn't tell you that the cost of the card members oh, cards go up five dollars no. and then all of a sudden you send in the check for way more money than you were anticipating. That's really weird when that happens. I have no idea. Sometimes really yeah. bad Whoops. example. We call that creative accounting. Don't yeah, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they've been yeah. happening for 50 years. They'll continue to happen, it seems. Oh, I think yeah. so. You're right yeah. there, Bill, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I totally think that that is something that everybody should do. Just build it in, have it go, then everybody can play in everything, you know? Exactly. Uh, there, there, was, there was a center that we heard of a little while ago, a couple... I don't know if they're still doing it, but it was like ten years ago, and I'm not going to say names of where it was. But they were selling, they were selling memberships, and it was selling memberships to, you know, to their center for these tournaments. But all of a sudden, like it was like forty five dollars or something, so that they were allowed to play certain events. But that was also Bull Alberta and all these other places that don't charge a membership. So then it's like, where is that forty five dollars going? That C the C five or the A five membership was like twelve dollars where's the rest of that going so that yeah that was interesting to me yeah but yeah, yeah. that would There's that would be the tough spot for other centers when you get comparison and the other thing that always came up as well i bought my membership at sherwood bowl i don't need one at edmonton bowling center but you're charging me for it so it was tough yeah. to build it in sort of on a weekly uh, basis right yeah because I'm or if i'm, or if I'm two leagues or three leagues so you're building it into three leagues not just one exactly yeah. Guess, yeah. Yeah. Tough luck. Yeah. 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 Can I get my eight dollars back? Yeah. Exactly. And ultimately, it's another fifty cents a person. Yeah. Well, it's it's more than eight dollars, but yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have the seniors card yet, Daryl. That's yeah. it. <laughs> easy. Easy. How about some commentators card? Yeah. How about some more? highlights of being the owner and proprietor of Linwood Lane. Some of the some of the cool tournaments or or, or people through in there at all. They just want to obviously reminisce a bit about Linwood uh Bill for a bit. Yeah we did. We ran a lot of really cool tournaments. Like I said the five and dime, but we also ran this buckshot and it started I think on the 10 pin side. Um so what it was you had to get a certain number of strikes to qualify and then it was Okay, we're going to start on lane one and you bowled till you didn't get a strike. And then sort yeah. of the last man standing, I can't remember what it was. You had to get three in a row or something to win the pot. Well, it started, we ran it at nine o'clock on Friday nights. And uh, usually by eight o'clock, we were sold out. You, you couldn't get in uh, anymore. So then we thought, okay, well, let's try it on the five-pin side. And same thing, it went over pretty well. We'd have a pretty good crowd on a Friday night, and sometimes the pots would they build up two, $3,000. And then, of course, the pots build up like that. 
um, the more people wanted to get in. So sure. that was a lot of fun, you know, nine o'clock on a Friday night and bowl. And then we had a lounge at the time. So, okay, hang around, have a couple of beer afterwards. So, yeah. It was, I remember so I switched was, to Col Collingwood did that for a while and went to a few of those. And that was yeah. uh, super fun. And obviously that's where they got the idea from. And, and yeah. Mike Lacoustier, you know, making mention of the original Buckshot. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's such a cool idea. It's kind of isn't that what you did for TPC for doubles for a bit too? They did it for it, TPC. It was at Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Collingwood yeah. doubles. Yeah. They did it yeah. the budget, the, the buckshot way. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 yeah you had no. to throw, I think during the doubles event, five you had bagger. to throw a five bagger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. remember yeah. what it was at the end, but during yeah. qualifying, yeah. you had to throw a five bagger to get entered into the buckshot. Got yeah. Right. And every every five bagger you threw got yeah. you another entry. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, what about any other things at Linwood or some of the say you know top five, top ten bowlers that would have come there and played at some some league plays or some of the um, guys that would have played there over the years? Um. Yeah. We, I mean, we didn't. We had good bowlers, but not. Uh, not. We didn't run any major men's leagues. Okay. Um, so, but I mean, Danny Clapp was a pretty good player back in those days. Oh, mm -hmm. um, he's the coach for the Dream Crushers. Yeah, Danny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good kid. He also used to run our kitchen at, at the old Linwood. So, uh, our men's league Thursday nights at Linwood, it was always a challenge to see if Danny could make wings hot enough that nobody, including Tom Stevenson, could eat. So. <laughs> It was no uh, wonder that guy has heart attacks now. Oh, yeah, Tom. <laughs> Spicy. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, 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 what did he call your lounge again? Uh, <laughs> uh, what the hell was it? The, uh, the dog pound. <laughs> the dog pound. The dog pound, yeah. 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 Thursday oh, nights. Like yeah. That's awesome. But those that was kind of back in the day when, you know, you could have a couple of beer and, and guys still drove. Uh, yeah. I mean, not so much anymore. I go bowling centers now, and it's like nobody hangs around afterwards and has a beer like old days, I'll say. But it's yeah. changed a lot with probably good reason. <laughs> Just the sheer <laughs> amount of people has caused that problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we ran, a, like I said, we posted YBC Nationals, 5-pin and 10-pin. Um, masters a couple of times, tournaments through the years. Um, that's that's really about it. Neat. Well, let's go into a direction that uh, we're all very excited to hear about, and that's into CBC and color co TSN color commentary. And all of us are envious. I mean, of of you doing that uh, in those days, and sort of what we're striving to to do and bring back TV or bowling to TV. So. Mm. You got to fill us in on how did you get involved in it and uh, and some of the favorite matches and stuff from those the CBC. Where when when was the first time you did the color commentary for that? It was the second show in 1990. Alan Hunter had done it starting in 1984 uh, up until 19 the first show in 1990, and then I decided to retire. And um, CBC through the bowling proprietors was looking for a replacement, so I'd done some local stuff. Uh, sent them off a tape and they said, okay, yeah, you're doing it. And a couple of days later, Ernie Afghanis phoned me and said, Bill, I hear we're doing this together. We should, uh, we should meet. And so 
That's where it started at uh, Roxy in 1990. That was a That's fun. That's so neat. That was a fun bowling center, actually. And how how professional were they working with? I mean, it was a clearly a different level. They had production crews come in and oh, CBC. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they were amazing. They everything they did was to an absolute standard. There was no fooling around. We need another camera on that. Okay, well, let's get two then. If we need one, we'll get two. You know, we we'd suggest having a camera in the pit. Well, they'd work on it, whether it happened that year or not until the next, but they'd work on it till they figured out how to put a camera in the pit so you could see the pinfall and see what happened. Because we talk about, you know, the bowling ball hitting the, the head pin and it actually comes off the ground. And, okay, well, let's put a camera there. Let's prove it. Let's prove that the bowling ball sometimes goes by the neck of the corner pin, right? Uh, let's put a camera in there. Um yeah, just lots of cameras, very professional and very by the book. I mean, I got um, a, basically a script for every show. Huh. And I had to write whatever piece I was doing, the opening. So it's going to be Dexter versus Daryl. Okay, so I had 14 or 15 seconds to talk about Dexter. Then Ernie go, okay, and then his opponent is... And, Okay, then I'd 14 or 15 seconds on Daryl. If it was the first matches, it was kind of who you are, where you're from, kind of average, high score, whatever I could pull out of the bio biographies that they had to fill out. And then as you get into the matches, then, of course, it's, okay, what happened in the previous match? How did Daryl beat him? What happened? So uh, there was an awful lot of writing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Back oh, in the 1991. Day. 1991. Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, those awesome. were those were beauties. Those jackets. I even well, I kept it for quite a while, but I even had one of those gold ones that uh, CBC Sportscasters used to wear. Right. Wow. That's you got to find that. That's got to go up a, a, on, a, on a wall somewhere. <laughs> Bill. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they. I mean, they did everything professionally, and it was by the book and run throughs and. The hardest thing for me to get used to was having a telex in my ear with a director uh, talking to either Ernie or talking to me. And, and it'd be kind of, I'm trying to say something and he's talking to Ernie, but I still hear it in the telex. And it would, for a while, it would throw me off till I think probably the first year they came and ripped the telex out of my ear and said, Bill, don't listen to it anymore. You know, we'll just, we'll tell you where we want you to go. So, <laughs> so, so how, how many times did you have to do retakes or, or was there any retakes? Uh, yeah, there was, there was a few. We all had stumbles at some point, you know, I'd get mixed up on a bowler or a score or, or something. So uh, there was retakes, but in the early years, we, we actually went back to Toronto and redid them. Oh. Uh, we could do we could do voiceovers, obviously not the stand-ups, but we could right. do voiceovers. So we did that, and then after a while, it was it was more live to tape, and so they we didn't go back to Toronto to do anything. So, and did you but, have strict roles like Ernie acted as the host MC, and then you were the you know color commenter commentary? Yeah, that guy sort of exactly. Like, you know, that's there's yeah. my role, your role type of thing. Yep. Yeah. 
and he was good. I mean, Ernie's a phenomenal guy. He's, you know, and he'd been around. He bowled at the old Linwood, as a matter of fact. But in, he he knew bowling, and, and he was a big fan of it. So that really helped um, for me, and it really helped, I think, on CBC. You could tell that that he liked it. So it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. Plus, I mean, the first, what, till 97, we were at Roxy in Winnipeg. And uh, <laughs> that was always fun, because back though, then, there was just the one group there was no men's and ladies and no 10 pin yeah and uh the bowling proprietors used to uh put on a big banquet on sunday night after it was all over and they'd hand out the checks and so that was uh that was the big deal <laughs> my very first martini experience was that first year in 1990 because that was ernie's and the cbc tradition he would have a a, a bottle of wairoba vodka the buffalo grass and he'd get a uh, cap full of vermouth. And then uh, one of the girls, I don't know, um, one of the girls from one of the Winnipeg centers would go down to the Forks in Winnipeg and get, uh, they called them 747s, but they were these huge, huge olives. And so that was the trick. After we were all done, the wrap up would be in Ernie's room and we'd have a couple of martinis and then go to the banquet. So. I think the first year I was close to falling asleep in my salad because I had two martinis. So <laughs> I, I learned I learned to drink them and be a little bit more careful. Yeah, so, let's only have one next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, and 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 that was a really good thing. The bowling proprietors they they did it upright. It was a full banquet and open bar that stayed open quite late. Uh, until one year they went to bed and uh, kind of left it in charge of a certain Saskatoon bowler uh, who happened to win it that year, I think. Um, anyway, the bar stayed open way, way <laughs> later than they expected it to be. And so after that, the bar was pretty much cut off at ah, midnight or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But it's free booze. You can you can do a lot of damage before yeah. it's anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like people forget reason. that the CBC was proprietor funded, right? It was. Yes, it was. You know, the the the, yes, the money was. for the production, the money prize that was from proprietor association putting that on. Yes. Uh, event, right, and yeah. it just got to the point. A obviously, you know, the the ratings and CBC or TSN and whichever didn't, you know. It wasn't something in their world, but also the proprietors then stopped funding it. Well, there and there was, yeah, it had something to do with it was less about ratings, and there was, wasn't that during like the strikes and stuff too? That it yeah, ended? it had nothing really to do with ratings, it more had okay. to do with that CBC needed the proprietors to go out and get some sponsors, much like Curling's done, you know, Pinty's sure. Grand Slam and the Scotty's mm -hmm. Tournament, all those things they needed a big name brand to be able to attach to the game. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't find it. That's right. really too bad. You know, I, yeah. I, I've got to say, like, once those shut down, that's really when you started to see the big decrease in, you know, in memberships across the country happen, um, especially in the YBC, you know. You really started to see YBC numbers deplete after – those disappeared. I, you know, I think it helped. I mean, CBC was always 
always extremely happy with the numbers they got. And I don't remember them, but I mean, we were drawn against college football and all kinds of stuff and we crushed them all. Like it was amazing how good the Uh numbers were. It was just simple fact, economic facts couldn't get a sponsor. So that's kind of the, where, where it went. Yeah. Cause the, the TSN kind of shut down cause the, wasn't it the one year the Vancouver Olympics were and they didn't run the bowling that year? Because that was the year Mark won or Mark Johnstone won, I believe. Yeah. It was the Vancouver yeah, yeah. Olympic year. And it wasn't yeah. televised. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't remember yeah. TSN ending. I mean the last year I think I did it was two thousand and nine with Vic right. Router, and that was at well, the old silver dollar in Calgary. Yeah. Um right. Yeah, because we did both sense. five pin and ten pin, right? So and I think and I think Mark Johnson won it in 2010, and it was, was in Toronto, Toronto, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. at Rexdale, and it was just un unvideoed. Yeah, yeah. 2010 yeah. was that late, even, eh? Yeah. Well, I did it 09. I'm sure I was 09, and and that was the last year I remember. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, so I think that's the last video you can find is 09. It was, yeah. yeah. So that, that being said, I know uh, the old Roxy Lanes had quite the, some of the stories and, and matches in there. Uh, yes. I know, I, I believe Gino threw his set of aces and spared it there, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Do you have any That's favorite right. moments from there or favorite competitors or, or in general that you watched over time? You, you know, I, I think I look back on it and, and, and look at the guys and, and the ladies who, who participated uh, you know, you've got guys like Sean Wells and Willie Orn. I mean, six times to make it to that stage. And, you know, Sean won it twice. Willie won it once. But um, guys coming out of extremely um, good bowling provinces with, with great competitors to make it that many times, like Lloyd Weens and Blair Pizzi, Cam Boone, those guys five times, you know, coming out of great, great programs. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. Um, Dale Jensen five times and he won it, well, 97, 98, back to back, 03. And he was the runner up in 1988. So out of five appearances, he finished, you know, right there every time. So and there was lots of characters, that's for sure. Um <laughs> Wayne Davies is out of Vancouver was a guy I always remember. He's a great player and different from most of the guys. He threw a big hook and but he scored just out of the ballpark. Um, yeah, I I don't know lots of lots of characters. <laughs> and another sort of after hours story. We always stayed at the Westin in Winnipeg, and it's a three. Lev, uh, three wing uh, hotel and I with a central elevator and one of the guys from Southern Ontario brought a bowling game that they used to play in the hallway at, um, you know uh, when they were staying someplace well these things had about 200 foot hallways so it was a, I think it was a <laughs> softball wrapped up in tape and then bowling pins and it was like I say it was probably 200 feet away and they did the whole thing. They played games. They actually kept score. And the only problem was it was about four o'clock in the morning and the security <laughs> guards, uh, you guys, time to wrap it up. 
So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good one. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's a good new idea. You know those kids' toys, plastic uh, lap- uh, pins. Yeah, you get yeah. those. A tape ball, wrap it up, yeah. and you roll it down the hallway for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was no gambling with that either. You know, I don't think so. Uh, but my <laughs> memories, you know, I'm getting foggy with age here, so there could have been a, a wager or two do, on it. Do bowlers do anything without gambling? Ooh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, time, good timing, Carrie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, I look back on CBCs though, and you know, when you talk, I mean, twenty five thousand dollars for first back in nineteen eighty seven. Huge money, man. That was big money, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Who won so, that one? Uh, the first one, Blair won nineteen eighty seven. That was the first big money one. So yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no. I mean, that was how long probably did you do the TSO. Then, how long did you do the TSN ones? Three years, I think. Okay. Two yeah, or three. I think the TSN, I recall, they had different. Uh, they had Vic Router and then different. Well, Greg Cook. Greg no, Cook, Greg, yeah. Greg Cook did it right from the start, but in he did. 05 yeah. or 06. Uh, Greg worked for Brunswick, actually. He yeah. owned the center okay. in Yorkton. Yeah. And but he was doing more stuff for Brunswick uh, on their automatic scoring. And he actually moved to Muskegon um, to work for Brunswick down there. So and he's still there, retired from Brunswick, but still there. So anyway, I took over from from Greg. But it was Cook, not I mean, spelt uh, with a C.H. though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's K.O.C.H. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you took over for him the last couple of years after. Yeah, with Vic. Yeah, with Vic. Yeah, yeah. Huh. You, st- you still talk to Vic? We need to send Vic a message. And Vic, we need to bring back bowling. Talk to some. <laughs> well, if I was on a pod- get... I was on a podcast this week, Vic. You won't believe we talked five pin bowling. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? I haven't talked to any of those guys. Er- Ernie's still, as far as I know, he's still alive. He hangs out at the the Derrick, um, and a buddy of mine sees him there all the time. Um, Steve Armitage, who I worked with at the end on CBC, um, I, he retired and moved back to uh, the Maritime somewhere, I think. So maybe on the five PL, we need to have a rotating lineup of all of you guys that, that did the <laughs> color commentary. Would you come do a guest spot with us, Steve Absolutely. Armitage? Hey, yeah, with, uh, you're yeah. you're a conduit here, Bill. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that there was some just well uh, he. One, we were at uh, we were at the zone in Richmond, and I don't know if it was Steve's first year or not. But anyway, we went to the zone because they had both five pin and ten pin, and that was so oh, ninety nine, I think. Yeah, no, ninety eight was the first year it was in the East, but ninety nine was in um, uh, the zone in Richmond, which was a split center, so we could do men's ten pin and then the five pin. Ernie and, and they had a had to build up a big podium because it was a, basically a flat center. So we were sitting up on this big thing. And at one point during a stoppage and player between games or something, this uh, young lady who was, I'll say she was fairly well endowed, um, <laughs> came up and asked if she could have Steve's and my autograph. Sure, what it first time ever happened to me. I'm sure it wasn't the first time it happened to Steve. Well, she 
kind of showed us a little more of her, her endowment than, <laughs> than I expected. And that's where she wanted the autograph. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a little moment. That's, yeah. that's the uh, level of okay. celebrity we need to yeah. get from Fiper Bowling. Yeah. You guys got well done. You got there. Yeah. yeah. Come yeah. on, ladies. We're going to be a commentator. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. That's hilarious. But, but so, did you did you sign it though? Yeah, did you sign it? We won. I'm not I'm not telling. She's probably yeah. probably washed it out, so there's no evidence anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just goes um, against tattooed on permanently. Yeah. So, yeah. Do, do, do you think yeah, if we yeah. could come up with a twenty five thousand dollars sponsor for first place again, that we could get this back on TV? Um well, I, you know what? I don't know. It, it would be a tough sell to CBC. I think you'd have to have that sponsor and go through the proprietors as well to get the the, the other money or the C5. But I, I don't know how you'd get it. You know, it wasn't just the $27,000 at the end for first prize. It's all the other prizes that were paid out down the road, you know, like second and third and all the way through, right? Okay. I mean, everybody got some money, uh, yeah. plus their transportation and their hotels and everything was all covered and meals. Yeah, the production cost. I think it was like an 80000 or $100,000 bill at one point, right, for uh, proprietors. That, that wouldn't surprise me, Daryl. Yeah. yeah. But if you if you work in the travel industry, that might be a little bit cheaper if it was like the WestJet Tour Finals or something, you know? You know, yeah. cut your cost yeah. a little that way. Yeah. I remember seeing an email or somewhere somebody shared with us about um, latest or so, uh, developments or whatnot. But what we really need is new age contacts at these big name sports places to have a conversation with the Jay Onrights or the Dan O'Tools or they're, they're obviously commentators. But in the production side, who were the right people to talk about it? And then them to say, OK, in five years. If you do these things, this is where we can get to. Or what is a roadmap to get on there? At least give us, give us a name, give us a contact, get us somebody, get us a, give us a give goal, us an email address. Right? Right? The, the head of CBC Sports, and I, well, and I don't even know who that is anymore. You might I mean. be able to get that through um, uh, Paul Oliveira at the BPAC yeah. offices. He may still have those contacts at CBC. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It might even been a conversation I had with Paul at one point too. And that's what he had said. This is, this is what he's done to have those get to that point. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's what it just be interesting to find out who the right person is or who is even pass this off to a junior person before we get to the senior person, but just yeah. give us a person. Tell us, tell us what we need to do. Like yeah. we want to be able to come back to you and say, okay, here's a format. Here's fifty thousand dollars we've got, and here's a sponsor, WestJet yeah. or whoever. Yeah, you know they're going to buy spots on Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons for the next sixteen weeks. Yeah, yeah. that's and, and what, I mean probably it, what it would take. You would you would think that they would be wanting to make sure that we do stuff like this again with like CanCon laws, right? You have to have fifty yeah. percent Canadian content on there. And what's more Canadian than flapping bowling? Well, exactly. well, and we've got all the history. We've got the, the WCBT events. We've got the five pin pro league. We've got mm -hmm. the drop in. We've got like we can show them the production side of things of how we see it can work in today's modern world. Yeah. That we could put it in front of them, anyways. If not, and if they don't want to be on board, then we'll do it ourselves. 
and we'll do it all of our own shows and we're the 5pl and the wcbt and we're on facebook we're on youtube and it's exactly you know, instagram and, re- and and it's our own it's our own baby and too bad cbc tsn let it go it's not going to happen so we'll do our own thing but yeah i mean the, of course the, everybody the measures biggest- us yeah, the biggest thing is getting the format right. Like if you go to CBC or a TSN, you've got to be able to package the format so that they can do it in an hour or an hour and a half, whatever the time frame is. I think we were an hour and a half on CBC. And that worked out perfect because, no, it was an hour because we had 42 minutes of actual televised bowling. Right. So, and there was so eight, Bill... Eight, two, what would you do with an eight-minute match? How would you stretch that out as a commentator? <laughs> eight, funny, eight minutes, funny, 11 seconds. Funny you should mention that. We did uh, CB, uh, Canadian five-pin championships live from St. John's, Newfoundland in 1996. So when we did the Canadian five-pin championships, we televised the men's semifinal. Then we did the ladies' final and then the men's final. Well, the scores that year were just out of this world. We're done. Three matches. All the interviews of the winner. We've got seven, eight minutes to kill. So Ernie and I are finished doing our stand-up at the end of it and just having the sort of goodbye, see you later. And the director comes in our ear. Bill, Ernie, we've got seven minutes, I think it was. Seven minutes, we got to fill. Bill, go into the crowd and find somebody. Go and talk to, I won't say his name. Go and talk to, it was the father of the lady, very young lady from Calgary, who won uh, Canadian five-pin championships. Jen Marshall. Singles. Jen Marshall. Yeah. You're not supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> anyway, I got to go interview her her this dad is Tim we're talking about. Tim, Tim blows everything up. So. <laughs> I got to go talk to her dad. And, and this is now a full game after she's already won it. So you guys know what her dad was like. He could have a few. Anyway, we <laughs> I get to do the interview and he is just goon. It was hard, <laughs> hard to get a straight uh, sane answer out of him. So anyway, we, that was seven minutes is a really, really long time in TV to fill, but yeah, but you're uh, saying it's doable. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just, as, you as know, a, how, how many, how many stories can you tell? You know? yeah. So, yeah. so, so somebody that's watch. trying to build out this live show idea <laughs> and then you get bowlers that think their time is worth more than the production. Okay. But, it, but it really Carrie, hurts. The, but, hurts but, the... but, okay, what, what year was that, Bill? 1996. <laughs> and and did, did it shut down immediately after that? Uh, ratings probably dropped right off. Well, <laughs> if the answer is um, no, Carrie has no fault in this. CBC's kept going. I, I think that was the last year we ever did Canadian Five Pin Championships yeah. live. Yeah. And so, to my, so to my knowledge, saying... we only actually did two C5s live. One was from Moose Jaw, and that was 91, I think, and then 96 in St. John's. Um, so, Don, Don yeah. said... Uh, also, CBC in Red Deer in '89. Okay, so well, that was your time. Yeah, that was before my time. So I don't know who did the color on that. It might have been uh, Al Hunter. Yeah. 
So, but but you admit that that scoring Jesus. scoring well can really <laughs> can really affect the length of a match, right? We're, we're... just wanting confirmation here. I just I just, yeah. I just want I want to mute Dex. I just really, really... hey no, Carrie started this shit. <laughs> yeah, I was just asking a question, and I'm just no. asking more questions. <laughs> Yes, it can. Now, if you're if you're lucky, you can get a you've got a producer who's paying attention, and you can just go and throw in another commercial. Oh, fair, smart. Right? But, yeah. So, what was the best game did you ever witnessed on on television when you're doing it? Like uh, when somebody was on ten, game? was it was somebody on ten in a row, and you can you said, "Is this going to be a perfect game?" <laughs> no, I, we, no, we never had anything like that. The, oh, okay. the highest score ever on CBC was 386. Really? Yeah, and that was Ken Norris back in, oh. ooh, what year? 1988. That was the high single. That's yeah. crazy. I thought yeah. it'd be better. I, th I think Al Paquette set the TSN high record, and it, it was a high 300, but it wasn't 400. I know that. Yeah, yeah. No, well, Johnny threw a 450. But it wasn't televised. No, at TSN? He, he didn't do it at TSNs. No. no. Both of his are at Bonnie Dune. Yeah. His yeah, the only object. perfect game I know that called, on Canadian well, I remember TV. remember him calling that, me after winning TSNs, but maybe maybe it was – he just called to tell that, me he won. Yeah. Was probably. that Provincials maybe? No, it, it was uh, – he won the 10 grand at TSN. No, oh, But, okay. yeah, it, his perfect games are at Bonnie Dune. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, really, there weren't all that many big, huge scores. The highest winning score, what did I have? Oh, Daryl Rollins, 12-24 for four, which wow, is awesome. pretty good, right? But Especially there's a lot of being in that situation, too. Yeah. 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 A lot of, really lot of low ones. I remember, I, who is it now? Uh, I think it was Kathy Davidson. Yeah. Um, she shot six, ten or something. Her first two games, she won the first game. Shot three zero, whatever, and shot three zero the next game and lost. So she was averaging like three zero five or three zero six, and she was out of the show. Crazy, so, big yeah. How about how about some of the biggest duds? Did you have to commentate when it's just like, oh man, Ooh. this when will this match ever end? <laughs> how hard is that to commentate when it's like you're trying to talk about the mighty plucks and yeah, it, you know what? Really <laughs> tough. You hope that at least one of the bowlers is having a good game because it's hard to talk about a really bad game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. One of the best bowlers I know in ten pin proverbial sort of best in the province went to the TSNs in Vancouver and he was a left-hander and he couldn't slide for the life of him. We tried everything. Couldn't slide. He was probably averaging 10 pin. He was probably two teen, two twenty at the time. And he shot 130 on, you know, on television. So uh, it happens. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember any really bad scores from five pin because I tend not to write those ones down. I guess just the big ones, you know. Mm -hmm. But hmm. that's kind of the way yeah. it should be. You just try to forget those ones. Yeah, I, as a bowler yeah. and as a and, and as yeah. a viewer. Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Well, in your time in the game, let's chat about some of the the biggest things that have changed. Uh, like you said, we've obviously touched a couple little points, but maybe dwell on them a bit more here. The things that have changed over the years, obviously, you know, strings to hand setting to the machines Sims, or yeah. you, you made mention about, uh, you know, the finesse versus power. So obviously in your experience, let's, uh, let's do this whole debate here of how, how much the game has changed. Well, yeah, you know, I think it really has synthetics are probably as big uh, a change and it has had the biggest effect on it of, of anything. I mean, strings, free fall handsets, I don't know that that's a lot different. You sort of, from free fall, you get some bounces off the sidewall strings. You'll pull a string or two here or there. But I think the biggest thing that's made a difference in the game is is synthetic lanes. Because you could go into a bowling center that hadn't done a full resurface for three or four years, and the track would be so bad so worn in that if you missed it, if, if you couldn't figure out where that track was, you could get just hung out to dry, nothing but head pins or couldn't hit the head pin. You know, that was one thing that Brian and I used to work on all the time at Linwood because we had wood lanes and we had tracks worn in. Everybody throws the ball down the middle of the lane, right? Yeah. Well, Okay, let's Brian, let's go over to the left and we'll, you know, third arrow from the gutter or sixth arrow and, and let's throw a backup from there. We'll get out of that track so it doesn't have any impact on the way the ball travels. Um, so yeah, you could you could get into centers where the heads were so badly burnt that it was hard to keep a ball online. So Guys learned how to loft the ball over almost over the arrows just to get, get away from that. To get it, yeah, sure. So it's, it's you, interesting. But yeah. Even, even with like, and and you start seeing it, we were, um, when we went out to Anique in Quebec, um, there were a few different things, and we were just talking about this recently that you had to kind of deal with. And one was the foul lines were raised, they were up. So, that first game, you'd see a whole bunch of people mm. knock out that lane guard because, you yep. know, it, it would clip it and go straight into it, and there wasn't a whole lot you could do. And the other part was that the laminate on the synthetics was actually bubbling out too. Mm-hmm. So then, so then instead of tracks, you were trying to avoid, avoid the, bubble. the bubbles. So me and Weber are sitting out there trying to, you know, figure out what line we're going to play from where to try to avoid it. And yeah. Make sure you, you know, get the I, ball out here and line it between here. And, yeah, I think like, even with synthetics, you've got to be a little bit careful because if synthetics aren't oiled and, and it's not as bad in five pin because the friction that's created is not as much. But if you don't oil a five pin lane, eventually you're going to wear a track in it because it's absolutely a synthetic surface. So you, you get the burn mark on the bowling ball for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing that's probably made a fair difference in whatever it was, 1990, I think, when they allowed personal bowling balls. And it not so much that they have an effect on the score the way a ten personalized 10-pin ball doesn't fit it. It's just that it allowed everybody to have what they wanted and they weren't, you know, going between ball racks trying to find the small one that fit their hand and move mm-hmm. it over to their ball rack you know yeah. so Instant yeah don and i 
uh, Don Sim and I, I think, well, 1989 or 90, we went down to Boston and went to Perella's factory. Oh, so cool. we were probably one of the first um, companies to bring in bowling balls when it became legal to have your own. So, yeah, we uh, we met Richard not so long ago on our one of our podcasts. He's quite the fellow, right? Uh, and a, yeah. Oh, yeah. such a, such an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it was kind of, it was a really cool factory that they didn't allow us to see all of it because, of course, there's proprietary yeah. stuff they don't want anybody to see. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. Huh. So. Um, in your experience then, like you said, synthetic lanes, obviously, do you think it's just the consistency that the bowler knows what they're walking into when they get into the center? There's probably going to be no grooves. The consistency of playing the the same synthetic surface is probably huge, right? It it is. And I mean, even from generation to generation and manufacturer to manufacturer, as far as synthetic lanes go, um, the friction is different on them all but five pin balls got such a small um, area of contact that that friction is less noticeable or has less of an impact you know so i I think synthetics have solved that sort of big problem about wearing a track and 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 having to play outside of of a track area has anybody ever tried to figure out like the rpms of a five pin bowler because it's got to be drastically less than a 10-pin bowler, obviously, because oh. you don't have a an anchor point to rip on to give it the extra right. RPMs. But yeah, I wonder Wait. like what RPM level a 5-pin bowler has. If a, if a really good 10-pin player has 400 RPMs or whatever, I wonder what a 5-pin player has. How do, you get, how do you determine that software? I looked into some of that TrackMan software and some of those programs, and how do you attach you, you, it to a bowling ball and measure lasers and all that stuff like it's you you take a you take a five pin ball you wrap a piece of tape around it and then you throw it out there and slow you have mo- a slow, slow motion camera, camera. And you count them. well let's see yeah. it boys tiktok let's see right yeah, I, you, so, found, you could there. do you could do it i guess I, you know i don't even know how they measure it in 10 pin quite truthfully it's like i guess like track man like in golf there's there's well, something they're using. I, I think there's a big science to the game. If you could do the TrackMan software to start to understand, then everybody's pressure points, everybody's line rotation, RPMs, you know, hit hit. I mean, there's so many different data points that I think could be measured um, that we aren't tapping into at all. So, yeah, what's true? It w- it would give bowlers way more ammunition, <laughs> and you got to be careful with that because you get more ammunition, you you figure out what you need to do to get a strike. But it also gives you way more to complain about, way, you know, way more excuses. But, right? but certainly need to study that science side of the game that has never been done before. I mean, you look at, a, you know, uh, the golfers, right? The Brysons and the hitting yep. it harder and the training towards hitting it harder and further and faster and, and all these things. I mean, bowling doesn't have that study. Five pin yeah. certainly doesn't have that, Five pin that doesn't, data. That, they do in the United States. USBC is huge on that because uh-huh. it. I mean, it's such a big game um, worldwide, obviously, and and they track everything. You know, they they weigh pins and um, well, synthetic maybe pins. We, do all that testing of of every little piece of equipment. They just finished a big study on string ten pins. 
Yeah. Um, right. And so they've basically said, no, we're not going to approve them at this point. Um, and I don't know whether it'll ever happen down there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it'll, if it'll for the USBC, but I know they've played some cash tournaments. I think in St. Louis area, they have some string pin centers and they've mm -hmm. played a lot of cash, cash tournaments there, but nothing yeah. like tour wise or anything like that. But it's yeah. kind of yep. to see. You'll start seeing it getting certified when bowling centers start struggling to keep places open and they need to find ways of reducing costs. And Absolutely. It, and that, that's when you'll really start to see it taking off when it's out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no new, that I'm aware of, mechanical pin setters being produced. So the Brunswick's and the AMFs now, you know, I mean, the Brunswick pin setters have been around since the early 50s and there's some of those still working and in production but you can get parts for them well there's going to come a day where you you're not going to be able to and then, yeah. then what does a bowling center do yeah totally you, know, you got to go find somebody else who's closing their door and pick through the boneyard well you know and, and small town us six eight lane centers Man, you can't afford to hire a mechanic anymore. So if you exactly own it, right. you've got to do everything. And Absolutely. It's, it's kind of tougher funny and tougher. You're, yeah, you're talking about picking through the boneyard. That's kind of what five-pin centers were going through there when uh, they weren't making new scoring systems, right? You had Dynascore, Pro, mm -hmm. Brunswick, Proscore. All the Dynascore centers were closing down, and the dinosaur centers that were still open were literally buying out all those bowling centers they could find to get computer parts because yeah dinosaur went under in 92 but was that long that long ago eh? wow yeah it's crazy that it it's amazing that uh obviously steltronic came around they're starting to do five pin stuff and cubica is mm -hmm. still strong in it and right hopefully Hopefully, there's still that advancement on the five pins. Yeah, and, uh, and Bruns Brunswick's still like Brunswick's still really big into it too. I think we're going to be safe for for the foreseeable future for you know yeah. scoring system parts for sure. Machine yeah. parts might get tougher down the road. It might. Well, yeah. but I mean, your, your string machines, what those are uh, PBSs, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, some of them are. Yeah, um, are the ones we run are PBS CA ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Schmidt. some of them, we we even ran into that when we had Mendez, because when we uh, had Linwood, the very first uh, string machines we put in would have been 68 or 69. I, almost as soon as they came out, my dad put 12 in, and they were the original Mendez ones. Well, Those things, they're were tiny. Yep. They're 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 absolutely tiny. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. are, they the, are they the air ones? Yeah. yeah 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 and that was the only challenge you had you had to have air dryers and everything else and it just yeah they were they were tough but we were playing in a center in quebec in gatineau for nationals that had the old mendez yeah. gerber yeah. gerber yeah 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 well edmonton bowling center had the ones with the hydraulics too and those were oh, even yeah. stranger they had this huge tank at the back that was basically filled with hydraulic fluid it was strange anyway <laughs> e easy to add oil to the lane and just yeah. dip into the tank <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly huh. 
Very interesting. Hmm. Well, what so about we, some of the other uh, yeah. favorite stories or, uh, mm. you know, some things? Let's make sure that we hit on all the good notes for you, Bill. Yeah. I mean, you've been in the game, involved in the game a long time. We don't want to let you, uh, don't want to, want, don't want you to miss anything that you have a chance to talk about here for us with us. Hmm. I, you know, not, not really anything. I mean, I've had some great experiences at bowling tournaments throughout the years that, um, <laughs> One year we went to Regina and I, I was bowling and yeah, I think I averaged 263. No, it wasn't Regina. It was at uh, uh, Saskatoon at KG. Uh -huh. I, 263, I think I averaged and I was like 63rd. I just barely made the consolation. Uh, KG back in the day, what did they say? They, you open the open the doors and all the corner pins fell over. That was, that was such a good scoring center. And for a while, nobody could figure out what they did. How, how do you get better scoring? Cause that was what everybody strived for, right? Eliminate the corner pins, try and eliminate head pins. And there's a hundred variations of things that proprietors did over the years to try and get better pinfall. Was um, one of the ones that KG did now if correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, is they put pins like uh, metal pins in the top of the machines where the two pins were to shorten the strings. So all of a sudden, you know, you hit those two pins and that's when they get the the spool at the top on the big giant springs, because all of a sudden you have that pin in there that makes the effectively makes the string like two feet shorter. That that spring winds up and then let's go and then launches that pin around but i'm pretty sure it started in kg there were a few different centers out there that were doing that i don't know i think everybody's tried almost everything i mean taking rubber bands and cutting them into thirds and putting them under the flat gutters at the back <laughs> to try and get more bounce Shaving the bottom of the that's of the really corner pins that's a good idea put put elastic or rubbers all along the wall Right? Just, like, just like a, a padded cell. Well, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Like, um, for me, I mean, we used to be really, really careful with the side panels in our center because everything had to bounce off that. So, like, every year it was sand them, shellac them back in the day, shellac or lacquer, to make sure that they retained their, their bounce and their resiliency. Because you get stuff hit those, and as they got old, they get holes in them, they soften up, and they don't bounce like they used to, right? So, yeah, you yeah. be careful with that. I know some we used to they... we used to oil the pin decks to try and avoid head pins. Yeah, yeah. They brought in I mean, puck board in some centers and put them in the pits, so they were a little bit harder than the old cushion backs or whatever, so they'd bounce around. Okay, yeah. I had so, heard a I mean, bit of a rumor too that for like TSN specifically, I think it was, is that they would actually like raise the the pin deck slightly. So it was at an angle, so it would take less for it to knock down, which is I can neither confirm nor deny that. I <laughs> at Roxy, I have no idea what they did. The pinfall there was over the years was pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if it was at Roxy or if it was at Silver Dollar, but Silver, I, I heard Silver Dollar and I heard that from uh, maybe an no, e, maybe we're, we're, an ED. 
we're, we're we're gonna we're not gonna put in any names at all but um but yeah. it was interesting because yeah. you go back and you watch some of it and then you see like i remember watching heather ochar on one match shooting for the left two pin and missing missing to the right yeah, left two pin missed to the right side of it it hit the back and it would jump back on because it would it would it would actually ramp up. You could see it ramp up, oh. and then the ball would come back and hit the pin. Yeah, well, that was and the other thing. And then somebody told me about this, and then I was like, yeah. that makes sense. You move the cushions forward. For right? sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially, again, this is a few years ago before there there sort of wasn't a sanctioning body that paid attention to all the, the absolute specifics of, um, you know, the way a bowling center should be built, right? Yeah, you didn't totally. have to have your center sanction. Nobody came in and measured the lanes or the depth of the pits or the flat gutters or any I'm of that. I'm just going to build those those mats on a track so that when it comes time for certification, we just slide them back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Martino, uh, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> yeah. marked in history now, saved on yeah. YouTube forever. So. Yikes. But even even I I know that they've they've changed the dimension between pins, yes. And, and some of the centers have gone to that to try and. Does it help? I don't know. It's so harder for I, I actually want a clarification on that on that rule. So it's eighteen inch centers or seventeen inch centers. Can it be anything in between? Does anybody know? It's, it's in, know. in the specs. It says eighteen and seventeen, I believe. So, so can it be that. in between the? The dimension no because okay. that you're because you're, you have the uh well on the new you can synthetic, change your machine you, however you want right but on your on your new on your new uh pindex you don't have the spots right but you would have to have something there in order to i've seen your guys's pindex do you have spots on yours anyways no uh, we don't <laughs> we, have, we have the 10 pin spots <laughs> and, you and can put them of, anywhere you want lots of dirt yeah <laughs> <laughs> super super uh, sticky yeah yeah anyway lots lots of games played over the years to try and increase scoring because you know it was a big it was a big deal yes. yeah yeah and I, I mean obviously we talked about in the past too um uh what about uh frank levine with the with the groove lanes right i mean that was always the, the oil and, and blocking the lanes no, you know what? I think that was just Frank Levine. He was probably the best bowler I've ever seen, um, without a doubt. I mean, he could play candle pin and or duck pin. He could play five pin. He was a good ten pinner. It didn't matter, uh, and it didn't seem to matter where he bowled. He hmm. he did it all. Yeah. You no, know, like you always hear the stories of what he averaged in BC, but it's not like he didn't come to the Autumn Open. He won the Autumn Open and stuff exactly. like that. So it's not like he was yeah. only a one-house player. So no, it would have been cool to see him play at the time, right? Like yeah, you know, just to see how good that he was. He um, just he just never missed. Yeah, you no, know? and he had so much rotation on the ball that he I my understanding he very very seldom punched a head pin because of the he had rotation side spin and forward roll on it yeah so he'd break up a lot of stuff that would have left so, head pins or splits how cool would that be to be able to analyze the actual rotation on the ball in slow motion mm. down the lane and to be able to see yeah. it doing all the stuff and then what happens when it hits the pin yeah. like that 
that's the, the yeah. slow motion cameras. I'm Dex. Let's go, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not me. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, very tight camera. Let's go. Yeah. Let's hey, go. Man. That's what this is all about. To invest money Patreon, back into five yeah. pin bowling. That's so, right. yeah. Absolutely. Are you a Patreon member yet? If you're not, sign up for yeah. Patreon so we can invest into some uh, lasers <laughs> and some slow motion cameras. And... I'll just throw it out there. Somebody who's somebody's got to have a contact with uh, access to fancy slow motion cameras. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our world, our world, unfortunately, is getting smaller and smaller. So hopefully, we can reach somebody outside of our world because it's uh, the five-pin bubble is has been shrinking. But hopefully, yeah. we've, we've built enough of a, a foundation that we can start reaching out to these kind of people that could help us out with this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, between this podcast and your tournament, and you know, if you can put that pa- those pack kind of packages together and get them out to people and sponsorships the more people see it the the more likely it is you can get sponsorship dollars yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean the biggest thing for any tournament is the right format to be able to showcase it to whoever cbc tsn you know gem or Absolutely. whatever joe public just who, yeah. who wants to what format do people want to watch and see and get excited about they want to make the... it simple and fast one of the arguments against the the old TSN the pins game format was a casual observer observer had trouble figuring out what was going on. They didn't understand that frame by frame because as a even if they walked in as a casual bowler, it was like, okay, well, I bowl ten frames, I get to the end, there's my score. Well, hold it, they're paying on you know frame by frame. Eh. <laughs> Not so mm-hmm. sure, but yeah, yeah the, the, so. I mean, it's got its drawbacks and its advantages. The nice thing about that is at least you're still playing for something, even if a match is over. So the frames still matter. Fair. But I yep. do understand what you're saying for sure. Yeah. Um. So maybe, maybe. So and you said you, you want them to be fast, is what you just said. Is what I heard, right? Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, you got your stopwatch out. Are you going to put? You got somebody in mind? You're going to put a timer on? No, the reason why we're, we're making the joke is because we uh, I had a match at the tour finals the last time with me and Taylor Michelle, where the match went eight minutes eleven seconds. But in in all wow. fairness, in all fairness, I shot four fifteen. I went ten bagger chop, and then or four eighteen or something like that, and. uh 412 i can't remember and um and taylor shot like 330 so he he threw a boatload of strikes too so i threw 12 balls and i think he threw like 15 or 16 or something so and you're and you're both was was daryl was daryl commentating on that and had to fill in those uh missing eight minutes well, we just film it. We just put it out there, so it, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, Carrie yeah. had to do the production side of it to put it in within a thirty-minute show. <laughs> that was the harder thing. It wasn't the yeah. commentary part. Yeah. It was that. No, well, how was that? How was, that was my that was my selling point to Dexter. Is like, how do we sell this to a CBC or a TSN if we're going to sell them post-production? Here's an eight-minute match. Figure mm-hmm. out how you're going to fill a thirty-minute segment. It's not well, going to happen. You can always. Have, do that if you're doing a post-production i mean you throw in lots of interviews and you know ads and all those kinds of things build it out yeah i was just trying to create more advertising time there you go 
there you go. The, oh, okay. the, probably one of the most <laughs> fun ones I did with <clears throat> with Steve Armitage was a, a ten pin one, and they it was like a world championship or something, and it was held in a shopping center in London, England, and they built two lanes in this mall. And this was uh, who's the U.S. The U.S. guy was Tim Mack, uh, oh, who yeah. at the time was one of the best in the world. But we got it canned, and we just had to do a voiceover of all these matches. Well, it, watch it, write your script. I, it was great because I could look like a hero. I could say, "Well, you know, he needs," which we did anyway. But you know, oh. he needs he needs to finish with three in a row and at least an eight count to, to win the match. And, and I, you know, you got to avoid going wide here and leaving a wide open split. Cause I've already seen it. And I know that's exactly what he does. So <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was easy to write the script and, and come across as being uh, a real smarty. Yeah. There's lots of times that we put the commentator curse on players during our, our shows now. <laughs> Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It happens. Yeah. It happens yeah. lots. Oh, there's the head pin that we yeah. both said he can't get. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think we've reached our two hour mark. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Bill, or any? No. You know, I think we covered it all. Um, it was fun. Now, like reminiscing i had actually was on the phone with don sim today because i i sent him a picture that i found in my dad's archives and it was from 1953 and it was a vancouver contingent that my dad was taking or was with uh they were going on the train to the first canadian championships where everybody was there in 1953 in regina so any Don and I were sharing old war stories because he's got a bunch of historical stuff. And so we were reminiscing. That's awesome. Can Good you catch uh, up with him? Can you ask, uh, do us a favor. Next time you talk to Don, ask him to mm -hmm. come on the podcast. Well, we'll book out like five weeks oh. to talk to him because he's got <laughs> a 10 hours worth of knowledge. I'm sure that we yeah. can talk to him about. So yeah. I was two just hours talking to him. Two hours oh. might not do Don justice. No, he, he said he's got the records of, all the i think alberta for sure but it might even be the western canada and the uh, canadian five pin championships dating from 1946 or 47 yeah everything yeah. he is wow. all of it yeah yeah, yeah it's incredible yeah be, well i hope something that if somebody could scan those all and put them on a website somewhere for all time yeah well that's that's the issue because otherwise it gets lost so we we need to actually hire somebody to do it yeah archivist or some sort so, yeah. some organization needs to put some money into it hire somebody to spend a month scanning everything cool. and get it done yeah. and it would yeah, be worth every it. single penny too much of that stuff gets lost you know and that Absolutely. that's a real shame and old guys like don and i are dying off and the memories unless you either write it down or you know scan it it's gone so yeah yeah Oh yeah, geez, who won that in 1953? Don. Okay, well there it is. He's got all those records. And he doesn't even need to look it up. It's just in his head. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. So yeah, true. It is. So um, 
Well, Bill, we're going to let you go. Um, you're more than welcome to stay in the background and talk chit chat with us after if you're willing to. Um, but Absolutely. we're going to do a little out, outgoing banter here and run our draw. So thank okay. you very much for joining us. And it was my pleasure this. anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. All Thanks, right. Bill. Take All care, right. guys. I just want to say first that I looked up the specifications and it is 17 or 18 is what it says. So it can't be anywhere in between. Yeah. And faster is better. What an awesome is it? (laughs) What an awesome guest though. Bill, like, I mean, he's an absolute history of knowledge there that he's got. And Tim, I hope that you connect with him more about some of these dates and some of these titles and sounds like he's got boxes and you know even his brain all these all these you know stories we need to document them like we said guys and this is our duty to do that and he's a guy that's got a ton of ton of knowledge and uh and and history in there so keep 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 him close to your chest for sure Mm. um obviously looks like brett hendrickson came in late here uh there is some of us that are excited to go to winnipeg brett so we'll see you in a in a few days. Guess yeah. who's not going to Winnipeg? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, is Winnipeg my my first place that I want to go in the dead of winter? Probably not. Am I excited <laughs> to go to Winnipeg for this tournament? Absolutely. Would uh, you rather go to Winnipeg in December or February? Both are aren't great. What It'll be an December? awesome weekend. I went, you I know went, what? You I went guys, June once, yeah. and, and that was okay. You're gonna have an awesome time. If you're gonna have an awesome time, it's gonna be a great tournament. You're gonna have them, you know, see all your buddies that uh, are from there and local, and you know, people coming in out of town. It's gonna be another awesome bowling weekend, and I can't wait to build it up for next year. That it's part of the tour and full support and 200 entries next year, and it's just gonna be uh, on the way to to bigger and better things for Winnipeg. So good for you guys going going out there. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just going out there to chirp Scotty Barber. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And Shannis, I don't see I don't see Shannis's name on the list, but um, it, I am I am super looking forward to the tournament. It's going to be different. We've talked about it. Me and me and Carrie have talked about this. It's going to be different going out there with it not being part of WCBT yet. It kind of gives us some freedom to just bowl, which is something that we're just not overly used to anymore, right? So yeah, yeah. just hang um, out. Right? I'm super excited for that. Yeah, it, it it should be it should be really good. The format's gonna be really good. Local players, come on out. Let's let's get you out there. Let's go. Yeah, I get know the blue bombers are playing on Sunday. I don't give a shit. Come bowling. You are yeah. they're putting on they're putting on a tournament. They're putting on a great tournament for all you guys. Come on out, support your tournament. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um, Karen, we're landing at like six twenty five. I'll uh I'll let you know on Friday. So <laughs> Um, but yes, it would be great. I'm looking forward to hopefully they may have some live stream or whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah. I have live streaming going on. It's on their website. So. Oh, good, sweet. Twitch, probably, probably. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably through Twitch. But you can just yeah. go to their their website, their St. James Bowling website. The tournament layout's all on there, and I do believe they have links to their live streams Perfect. when they have them running. So that's nice. awesome. Good, good work, yeah. boys. Good luck out there, right? Eh? Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. For sure. All right, let's uh, get this all-star draw going. All right, we got 21. We got some late entries there. Brett Hendrickson and Steve Barker. So good luck, guys. Uh, I seen 5-Pin Universe signed up for it, so I'm guessing Adam, Adam. Adam. 
Adam Weber signed up as yeah. part of the universe. So. Uh, and he signed up immediately after, too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Let's go five pin you. That guy's getting old, too. <laughs> Mr. Barker. Nice. Barker's in. Yeah. yeah last go. minute. Last minute, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. All right. Well, you guys have a, a great weekend. And Dex, I'll see you. Yeah. Well, Who do we have on next week, Tim? Uh, Colin Cure. Colin Cure. Oh, not tomorrow. I meant next week. That, next. That's week. another good. That's another great guest, man. That's been yeah, around that'd be the awesome. game, legend for sure. Colin Cure is a beauty. Yeah, looking forward to having him. All right. We'll see you guys all next week. Thanks, everybody.